welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dillon Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's happening, webheads? Ooh, we got a big week for you. Got a big week for you. Welcome to Sports Carnage, along with Paul Roshan and Ryan Griffin and the MIA Dylan Bear. I am Matt Basson. Plenty to get to. We'll get to the World Series in a bit, but we got to start with the Detroit Lions coming off a loss, divisional loss, at home to the Minnesota Vikings, where they let Kirk Cousins do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And then to follow that up, we find out Carrion Johnson is done for maybe the year, maybe most of the year. We don't know. Leg problems, knee injury, on the IR. And on top of that, the Lions decide to send Quandre Diggs to the Great Northwest to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Earlier today, this is Tuesday that we record, Paul Roshan got plenty of his anger out while driving down the road and recording at the same time, something I do not recommend for you folks out there that is definitely not safe. Uh, And if you see any news reports of accidents happening on whatever road Paul was driving on, we know who to blame. But we got plenty to blame with these Lions who are now 2-3-1. and They are last in the division, which is where I predicted them to end up when we previewed the NFC North about a month and a half, two months ago. Oh, is ago. the season over? Uh, the season is not over, Mr. but with Four the Packers at 6-1 and one, and the Vikings Math. now at 5-2 and two, and the Bears, who are basically as bad as we are, but I still had them just a little bit above us in the division. Yeah, the season's kind of over. We ain't making no playoffs, Paul. So the season's kind of over. Is the season over or is our franchise ending? Because that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> like, can we just end the franchise? I mean, we can't what do in that. The There's too many Lions fans. They, that actually would make F them cry. Are we doing? <laughs> I, I, so it's baffling to me. And all these hours later, it doesn't make any more sense. And I've heard the arguments now. And it's worse. It's not are getting better. Some, are we bringing someone else in? I'm just getting more mad. Not bringing anyone else in. No. Uh, no, there's no, no names no out there else. to get to give uh, us some hope. We're just straight well, okay. sellers. All right, so we'll bring in. We're gonna bring into the mix. It's more part of the later discussion, but whatever. So, Pro Football Focus and our good colleague Don Drysdale trying to make heads out of tails, trying to figure out just some rationale to this. Because, and also welcome to anybody that came here because of the discussion on live Tuesday, Detroit Sports Nation. If you're listening to us from there. Congratulations on the follow of the discussion. Thanks for coming to hit us up here. But as Don said on Tuesday, uh, Pro Football Focus, Diggs hasn't graded out that well this year. It hasn't been that good of safety. He's been banged up. He's been hurt, whatever. Our and, defense uh, in general hasn't graded out very well this year. He said, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's why. Maybe they didn't have faith in Diggs moving forward and they decided to get what they can for him now. And to that I say, what in the F are we doing? That, that makes it worse. That legitimately makes the decision That's worse to me. My entire time being a Lions fan is that <laughs> statement right there. What the F so are we doing? So this is somebody that came in not as a safety, and we converted him to safety. And then we were like, wow, he's actually pretty good at safety. 
And then we ended up giving him a decent contract, a four or five year deal. I think it was four year deal. Twenty, I think it was eighteen through 20, the twenty one season, eighteen ninety twenty twenty one season. Pretty sure. And I think it averages like seven mil a year, something like that. Decent contract, six mil a year, something reasonable. And uh, he played awesome last year. First year of his new deal. Quandre Diggs was really great for us last year. It was a big difference maker in the defense, especially second half of the year when we really picked it up. We traded for snacks. Run defense got good. We tightened things up. And people said, you know, we might have some hope going into next year. Well, the defense has been an abomination this year. They gave up 42 points, as everyone knows, Sunday to the Vikings. Got ran out of their own building. Couldn't stop anybody. Uh, their liability in both pass and run defense, they don't do anything right. But Quandre Diggs is inarguably one of the cornerstones of that defense. He's one of the few decent players that we have on that defense. Uh, I don't want to hear about Trey Flowers' overpaid ass. Uh, I don't want to hear about Snacks, who <laughs> hasn't stopped the run this year and is on the field for like half the snaps because, oh, it's 2019 NFL and he can only stop the run. So I, I don't want to hear about them. Slay's a really good player. Uh, that's about it. And we got Quandre Diggs. We don't have anything else on defense. That's literally it. What happened to Tulloch? So, uh, Tulloch blew out his <laughs> nutsack discount double-checking about 10 years ago, and uh, that was it. That was it for Tulloch, unfortunately. They're going to win his career. So, no, so this is one of the only decent players we've had. You say, well, maybe he's declining, whatever. How do you, six games into a season, that the guy's been banged up and injured on a all-time bad defense? I mean, this defense is just super abomination, as it has been for a minute here. And he's had a couple bad games, and he's been super banged up, and he missed a game and a half due to injury and played through injury. You're telling me that this guy that you converted that played super well for you, this guy that you gave a lengthy deal that played awesome the first year of the deal, and all of a sudden through a couple rough games in injury, now he just sucks? Now you've completely lost faith in him so much that you're flipping him for what amounts to a sixth-round pick? For those of you that don't know, we traded Quandre Diggs and a seventh-round pick to get a fifth-round pick in return. So we're equating Diggs to around sixth-round pick value. Maybe a, a t touch above. You're, you're telling me you lost faith in him to that extent? The captain of your defense, one of the cap, literally a defensive captain. And through this stretch we've had here, now he can't play football, so you had to broom him? Maybe Does they're doing him sense? a favor. Maybe they felt bad for him being stuck on this garbage-ass team. That They're like, you know, we're going to send you to a semi-real team, actually. And Ryan, let you go finish out your career in Seattle. Well, Seattle, they couldn't chase down Lamar Jackson, so they had to get some help um, in the secondary and just on the defense He's in general. so happy to say that. Very happy oh, to say yeah. that. Well, I'm the only Especially one that picked, picked well, I'm the and only Dylan's one that God picked Baltimore, by the way. Us. All of you no, well, picked Seattle. I'm the only one that picked Baltimore, so Ryan doesn't get to ride that train. Still smacking you around in picks. <laughs> That's all that matters. But – we ain't talking I didn't about like the move. I didn't really like what I think it signifies as far as Quandre Diggs. I thought he was a good player. I liked him having I liked him having him at safety, excuse me. And I liked the deal that we gave him when we made it. And he is still signed through twenty twenty one. So it's not like he had a big deal coming up. Uh like Slay will Next year, and you've heard a lot of talk about, hey, maybe we should trade Darius Slay because it's not a, a good idea to pay him. None of that stuff really 
uh, applies to Diggs because he didn't have a deal coming up and he's young. So even by the time his 2021 deal expires, you know, you figure you can get him for another three, four years after that and still get a pretty solid player. And then maybe at the end of that deal is when you decide to cut ties. The fifth round pick is really crazy, especially when you consider what happened earlier in the day. Uh, the Patriots send over a second round pick to grab Mohamed Sanu. So Mohamed Sanu is worth a second round pick and Quandre Diggs is only worth a fifth. I don't think that adds up. I know the circumstances are different and the Patriots are a contender, but this or the Patriots are a super contender, probably the number one contender right now. And the Seahawks are trying to still get there. But the fact that you had to give something else up, even just to like quote unquote get rid of Quandre, um, raises some red flags to me about the general manager and where that ties in, in my estimation, is getting rid of Quandre Diggs now. Uh, and I've been on this for um, for a while with Bob Quinn, is he's not going to make these drastic moves of trading a bunch of these guys because he knows that, you know, if if he trades them, the team's going to get worse, and then if the team gets worse, he's going to lose. He's going to lose his job. So to me, it signified that he knows that him and Matt Patricia are both cozy for at least another year beyond this one. And as a Lions fan, that scares me because it's not something that I necessarily want to happen because I don't think that these guys are able to do the job at a competent enough level that requires keeping them around if they're able to do something with the draft capital that'd be obviously super but you didn't get a lot of draft capital back you only got a fifth round pick you know it's not like you got a third or even a fourth which i can't imagine Diggs wouldn't have uh you know wouldn't have kind of garnered it seems really strange to me that uh with the nfl being a passing league you have a cornerback who even if he's not graded out uh particularly well he's a guy that's a young and has played well at the position before so the fact that you had to give up a seventh and only get a fifth back makes me question the competency of the GM and maybe he didn't do his due diligence because I can't imagine that there aren't teams uh, like the Eagles uh, for instance who have an abysmal secondary but think they might be um, but think they probably still have the talent moving forward to do something this year um or even the even the Rams who just traded for Jalen Ramsey, so maybe they don't have a lot of picks to work with. But teams like that who maybe started off slower than they wanted to, teams you know even like the Seahawks, that they weren't going to give you uh, better value than what you got, especially if you leverage that Seahawks offer against them. Hey, we have to give up a seventh and we're getting a fifth. Can we only give you a fifth, or can you bump that up to the fourth and we'll still give you a seventh? That doesn't seem like it's uh, out of out of real world possibility for a negotiation. So the fact that, you know, they were able to get so little for Quandre makes me makes me sad and it makes me way more hesitant as a Lions fan. Um just, you know, in our eleven wins? In our uh eleven wins in our upper our management in general. Yeah, definitely not eleven. Definitely wins not eleven anymore, and five I anymore. Think, <laughs> I don't think the season's over, um, but that's not necessarily for this discussion. Ah, uh, this team. This freaking team. I'll tell you, two things will ever surprise me with the Detroit Lions. Them making smart decisions and them winning football games. Those are the only two things that will ever surprise me with the Detroit Lions. I was stunned when they drafted Indomitian Sue. I thought it was a brilliant draft pick. I thought it was the right move. And I thought it was going to signify a change 
in this organization. Now, you got to remember at the time, this was coming off multiple years of two or less wins. So they had definitely been better than that. But to get back to the Lions of my age, where 8-8 eight and eight was a winning season, and that's really what it was, and to be back to that as I, you know, as an adult now, when the same as I was a kid, that's, it's, it's just the Lions. It will, and this is why when you guys are like always laughing at me and saying oh, why I'm so down on this team, it's because this is what I'm used to. Dumb decisions, losing football games. And this is a mix of both in the span of three days. From Sunday, losing a game that was definitely winnable. Uh, the Vikings defense was not great. We were putting up plenty of points. And we just couldn't seal the deal and get the job done. Uh, to now this, with bad luck and carry on being injured. To Diggs now, no longer with the Lions. And going to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Where he'll probably play better. And help the Seahawks win football games. And may even do make some noise in the postseason. I... It is no secret how I feel about Bob Quinn. It has you been a no secret for an extremely long time. I didn't love the hire, but obviously I was willing to give him a chance and see what he could do until he botched draft pick after draft pick, made ridiculous signing after ridiculous signing, just pretty much proving from day one that he's completely incompetent with the concept of value and what it actually takes to build a modern NFL team under the salary cap. Uh, he has no idea what he's doing, but... Most people, or a lot of people, Lions fans, have not been fully on that train of thought. They've been in the more, uh, we're getting better, we're doing this, he's building us like the Pats, whatever. There is no basis for any logical reality, any rationalizing this decision. Because the first thing this decision signifies is that Bob Quinn doesn't know what he's doing. Because even if he got max value for Quandre Diggs, the fact that he's trading Diggs a year after signing him to a long-term deal, in the midst of his fourth year with the team, building the team in his image, signifies that he effed up. It's his admission that, whoopsie, kind of not doing things right. We need to change the things that oh by the way i did this position that i put us in not working out regardless of quandry digs himself and his fit with the team going forward if you're going to sell a quandry digs you gotta get more than a fifth round pick if you can't get more than a fifth round pick even if you're helping you're like we don't need this guy going forward we want to build our draft capital, do something for next year. I understand the train of thought, even if I don't agree with it. But when you get to the actual discussion table, and this is what's on the board, they're like, all right, if you give us digs in a seventh, uh, I guess we'll give you a fifth. When that's the thing that's on the table, and you can't get more than that, it is at that point that any competent human being, let alone somebody running an NFL franchise, has to sit back and be like, you know, I really wanted to trade Diggs, but he's a lot more valuable to our team than what that fifth-round pick is going to be. That's what competent people do. Now, if he traded Trey Flowers for a fifth-round pick, I'd be ecstatic because I'd be like, we shut at a bad contract. I'll give Trey Flowers away. But that's not the situation with Diggs. Not even close. It's not like we're saving wildly on the cap it's not like he's making 20 million dollars a year 
and nothing like that. So to get no value and for him to still go through with that is crazy. But the worst, the worst part about this is it signals either complete incompetence or a completely unjustified sense of security. Because his doing thing would be tanking the season, like we discussed. The locker room didn't like this decision. This is a team that feels like they're still in the thick of it, regardless of whether we think they could make the playoffs this season or what they could do. This is a team that's been competitive in every single game. This is a team that should be four, five and one, realistically, four and two at the absolute worst. This is a team that is playing together, that is still playing for something. This is a team that has not quit on the coaching staff. This is a team that wants to play, and you broom a defensive captain. You piss off the most important players on your defense, and right. What defense? And you take a locker room. What defense? Who cares if you piss them off? What somehow defense? Somehow has still held it together through ref gate and all the bullshit, and now you're just ripping them asunder. If you do not intend to broom everybody that you can and start a complete rebuild, that's just purely incompetence because that's what you've spurred. You traded a cornerstone of your already very bad defense and flipped up the locker room on its head, told all your team leaders, suck one, we're going to do it my way. For what gain? For a fifth-round pick? What are you trying to do? And if you do intend to blow this up, like logic is starting to indicate, how do you as a fourth-year GM, sit here, and your reason for keeping your job is, oh, we need to do a little bit of a rebuild here. This is the team you built for four years that you've spent countless hundreds of million in contracts on. You, you put this together. You put a defensive line together that you are paying like $40 million on average annual contract for this season a gross amount of the cap that is the worst defensive line in football. You went and paid Trey Flowers 17 million. You traded for snacks, then extended his contract 10, 11 million a year. You went and picked up Daniels $8 million. You drafted Ashawn Robinson. You drafted Deshaun Hand. All these resources you put in the defensive line and you have far and away the worst pass rush in football. And what, why are you keeping your job? What is your justification that, I did all these things. None of them have panned out. I now have to get rid of all these things that I did. And oh, by the way, I need you to give me more time to fix all the mistakes I made. We're going to go through a little bit of a mini rebuild. So it's either the most sickest case of job security I've seen since the Matt Millen era, or it is pure incompetence, the likes that I have seldom seen even from the Lions. Neither of those things are okay. Neither of those things are acceptable. It's disgusting. It disgusts me. And no matter which path this team takes, it is a goddamn abomination. And my only hope is that somehow they trade Stafford so that I don't have to watch any. Free up my Sundays to do things that I can enjoy. I don't want to watch this anymore. I have a disease and I can't stop, but I don't want to watch this anymore. Make, don't give me the choice. Trade Stafford away somewhere that wants to win football games. Well, I think 
you got players that want to win. That's never been a problem. I've never questioned the heart of the players you play for the Lions. I feel terrible for them because their careers are just destroyed before they even start. We've destroyed many a career in the state in the city of Detroit uh, from quarterback Joey Harrington, who never should have started, and they threw him in right away. Uh, you can go on and on with the careers that have been wasted in Detroit, not to mention two of the greatest of all time at their positions, hating being a Lion so much they just quit the game they loved because they didn't love the game as much anymore because they were a lion and so this is why i'm saying maybe the lions did quandre Diggs a favor and sent him away from this horrible horrible purgatory that is the detroit lions to go see what it's like to have fun playing football again because he hasn't experienced this since college and he's been a lion for six years and so he's getting a nice vacation and going to enjoy the game he loves playing in seattle with your boy Rustbus and one of the most fun coaches in all of sports in pete carroll in a city that absolutely just loves and desires their football team because they don't have that many other great teams up there and pro teams in general in Seattle. Uh, So they definitely stick to their Seahawks, who have had a pretty good run over the last six years or so. So maybe he got a vacation out of this. Maybe they did Quandre Diggs a favor. But we'll never know what's going on with the Lions because they're the Lions, and you know my feelings on them. But right now, game one of the World Series getting underway. We've got the Houston Astros, who have been the best team in baseball for the last three years and are looking for their second ring out of the last three years because they blew it last year, got real cold at the wrong time against the Red Sox, against the surprise, although they were expected to be here years ago, but the surprise Washington Nationals, who went from game 163 against the Brew Crew in Milwaukee to taking down the Los Angeles Dodgers two-time NL champions and then moving on past the other surprise, the St. Louis Cardinals, who took care of the Braves on their NLDS. So we got the Nationals, we got the Astros, and now, I said it before when Don Drysdale graced us with his presence and I was wrong and Paul corrected me, Now, the poker table is complete. The one and only the phenomenal A.J. Well, not Styles. We can't get him. Not quite yet. But A.J. Riley is here (laughs) joining us. Author, baseball player, uh, soon-to-be veteran, (laughs) I believe, of some sort. uh, Has graced us with his presence today Hmm. because... Out of all of our sports knowledge, and we've got quite a bit here between the group, none of us know baseball the way this man knows baseball. So, AJ, thank you for joining Sports Carnage. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Very excited. Let me set the record straight when you said baseball player. Like, my career ended after high school. Okay, so I'm not... Whoa, whoa. No, hold on. He's <laughs> being so dishonest. I'm not being he dishonest. He is being not quite so true. ridiculously is... bashful no, right now. No, like, you make it sound like I have some insider knowledge Rob, to the Robbed league. Robbed of the Hall like, of Fame, AJ Riley. He still got that Riley Rockies jersey in the closet. <laughs> no, get out of here. You guys are... Who'd you have a trial news. with? Who did you have a trial with? It was a group invitation, about 200 people with the Chicago White Sox at Eastern what Michigan was, University. You're so freaking modest. What Paul, you get a group invitation there? from the White Sox? What Ryan, you get an invitation there? from the White Sox? I believe he said no. invitation. Yeah, he didn't. this wasn't an open trial. This, this wasn't invincible. This wasn't This wasn't trying out for the Eagles in the 70s. Okay, I, and we're like, you heard wow. it, Deion right, Sanders. But, like, let's not make it like 
those guys that get to the major leagues, they put in all the work, and I had a tryout. Like, it happens. Like, Could you or could you not have played minor league baseball if you dedicated yourself to it? If I would have chose differently, I would could, say there's you, there's a chance. Sure. But I, but yeah, I, I a, hate, I hate to put that because, you didn't even know. like, again, I go back to the fact that, like, I made the choice not to play, and I can't predict what would have happened after high school. And the guys that are battling every day in the minor leagues, like, I'm not going to try and project the fact that I could have done what they do. Because, like, that, I don't I don't think that's fair. I, I'm with you, like, and I appreciate the compliments and all that, but, like, my career ended after high school. I just love the game of baseball. <laughs> AJ is too, good answer, too good answer. and good of a soul. I will do what he won't. You are basically talking to the former GOAT of baseball. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad that yeah okay. Babe Ruth and Willie Mays in the flesh in Get one person. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. The goats the actually living now, this, so it doesn't matter. So we we were obviously going to talk World Series this week, but the person who is pushing for it the most has abandoned us, and we're not sure why yet. <laughs> right? So that's not that's our not condolences fair. if it's serious <laughs> like, calm down. and rest in peace. But it's probably not. Yeah, for, for, for the record, is Dylan is not with us for the show today. He last-minute bailed, MIA'd us, and uh, we have no clue what's going on. And he's been one of the two, because I've been pushing to talk to World Series. We're pushing to talk baseball playoffs for the last couple weeks, and they were like, nah, we're just going to wait till the World Series. World Series comes, and they're like, yeah, we'll talk about other stuff instead. No, 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 no. I'm forcing the issue. Bring in the baseball player, the man with the most knowledge, A.J. Riley, to help us I, make sure we got this out there I for will say you, though. The people. This is a few months late because over the summer, oh, yeah. y'all said, hey, you want to get on our podcast and talk MLB trade deadline? And then y'all went radio silent. So, like, I've been, like, waiting for the invitation. Like, come on, guys. I don't don't I, you I do thought, that to I us. thought Matt was Don't, you, Matt don't was you put like, that onus on us. Hey. Matt was like, and AJ can do it this week. I was like, I guarantee we, you haven't talked to AJ we yet. We went from like, no, Captain Honesty to good. throwing the Sports Carnage podcast Are you so kidding far me, Paul? under the bus. Paul, when we were sitting at poker the other, the last time that we played at Matt's hotel room, Ryan said, that hey, like you want to jump? Years ago. No, it was not. You want to jump on the podcast and talk MLB trade that night? I said, yeah. Just Paul let me know was when. a little under the influence that night. You think? Uh, slash way under the influence that hey, night. And guess Hold what? On, he I'm still cleaned. And guess what? He still cleaned me out. All I had. All I had was candy that night. Yeah, uh-huh. and you still cleaned me out, so I took a couple bad that beats that night. Time to couple time. bad that, beats. That, that candy reference that that shouldn't we we should strike that from the record because that usually <laughs> goes for a different uh a, a different oh. uh, vice. No, that, that just means that he had uh, skittles at the bottom of his body. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. What? No, nothing. Nose Never mind, candy. Sir. Are we talking about? We're, ta- we're talking about nose candy. I thought no, we were supposed to be Except we're not crack. talking about nose candy because Paul did not do that. None of that was done at the poker I do not table. Do coke. Who, who has ever this in their life? No, we're, we're all Pepsi candy. fans here. Um, anyway, back Pause. to the topic at hand. Well, it's perfect because Pepsi sponsors the Tigers. We got Pepsi Porch. Now we're going to talk well, about makes baseball. Sense. Well, let's baseball not talk board. about the Tigers and their abysmal <laughs> Organization. Well, there's right a, now. well, we we got to talk about the Tigers a little bit. There's we a few can. of them playing in the World Series. Yeah, half of our oh, 2013 God. team still dominating. At least the pitching staff, at least the starting pitching staff, What's, definitely not the bullpen. AJ's not AJ's not here very much. AJ, tell us about the World Series. Tell us what you are most looking forward to this World Series. I'll tell you what I'm most looking forward to. I like the 
the game has changed over the last few years with this no one's talking about it new baseball right like home runs that were jumping out of the park this year that had no business jumping mm-hmm. out of the park and um you know whether or not the MLB switched the ball again for the postseason which I'm, I I think they did I think the the statistics and all that kind of bear that what out a chess move. um but you're looking at a series right now that's going to be won by games one nothing two three you know three two what like you're looking at a very pitcher dominant world series now whether or not they switch the balls again and balls are going to jump out of the park who knows but um i i think like i love a good pitching duel um it, home runs are exciting but if you have too much of a good thing it doesn't it's not a good thing anymore and we've had mm-hmm. too much of a good thing this whole season so I, i'm really looking forward to the dominant starters that the nationals have and then the absolute aces that the astros have just kind of battling each other out and i think that we're in for uh crisp games and i think that we're in for a really really nice pitching contest between these two teams you're talking so dirty to me right now like literally everything <laughs> that you just said all of it, just the whole thing i didn't know every, that was this kind second. of podcast but oh, my bad it is that's the carnage part of sports oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm already unbuttoning my shirt this is way too hot in here well i'm happily married so you don't you're fit really, you nailed all of that Kendall but shirts. one of the most first of all if it's low scoring like that that's what the Nationals need. Yes, but but I because think that the, the Astros, just, that's what you have with these two teams. Like, you could say that the Astros have a clear advantage, but there's no hotter team right now than the Nationals. Now, maybe they've that. been cooled off by this couple, like this week break that they had. But, like, a low-scoring game, yeah, you might say that it benefits the Astros because their bullpen's stronger. But at the same time, Ozuna's shown some weakness, and... You can't really tip the scale one way or the other with these two teams. That you know what I'm well, saying. Like, I, I I agree in part. I think the, I, I think, think the Astros have the clear advantage. Like let me be clear about that. Like for they're sure. they're oh, clearly the well, historic. They're the betting, biggest favorite. Yeah, since the Red Sox are. and the freaking Rockies. Well, I think but, that's I think that's extremely unfair to the Nats. It is. I don't think so. The, the listen, of course, the Astros are clearly the best team in baseball, but you still play the game. Yeah, hundred percent. And the Nats pitching staff is so dominant. That all they have to do is have a couple good games hitting, and boom, they're World Series champs. But the one thing I don't want to gloss over that AJ said that I think is super important is the balls. Because this is... (laughs) Paul loves talking about them balls. I told you it was getting hot and steamy in here. We're going straight to the balls. Just going to... But the the thing is... Don just turned us off. The balls are different. They're not all the same, and that's the problem. We don't well, know what to we don't know. We don't know ball. for sure if they are the same or not. Because look, we're going. Stop no, it. Hang on. No, no, stop no, it. Don't play hang balls on. Bigger one game, and then the other like, ball is smaller than the other game. That's, that's Matt's You're going up against thing. better pitching. No, you're, you're facing stop, much stop. better pitching. No, no, hold on. But, uh, hold that's on. dishonest. It's, it's averaged out to pitch. one less stop, home run per game. You're averaging one less home run per postseason versus regular season. But, Matt. This is 2019. It's not 1940. We measure everything. The velocity of a ball, the hit... Oh, uh, when you hit it, I I can't even think. Exit now. velocity, the, the bat speed, the ball speed exit coming velocity. off the bat. Exit velocity, drag while the ball's in the air. They literally have this down to a science. Yep. In the same ball, 
that is hit the same exact way at the same launch angle is with not the same exit velocity far. is not traveling as, as far. Colder. As it, no, no, Matt. Accounting thanks, for Bill Nye. Don't your balls shrink when it's colder? It was definitely not colder in Los Angeles and the ball was not traveling as no, far. I mean, the balls are not traveling Matt, as far. But you, also, you bring up Los Angeles, but Los Angeles also is not a probably a good testament to this because Los Angeles has that heavy sea air that makes it difficult to hit home runs anyways. Well, they didn't right? play. That Arizona but, didn't make it, so I don't know. Uh, Ari- but but Weatherman and look at player. look at um look at like the series in the Bronx with the Astros and the Yankees. There were significantly less home runs hit, and and I said when when the Astros played the Dodgers two years ago. Okay, I was I was doing a lot of live sessions for uh, Detroit Sports yeah. Nation during the Tiger season, oh, yeah, and I and I and I kept saying, and I and I firmly believed it up until that World Series, that there was really never a team that slugged their way to a World Series championship because it always depended on good pitching. And then 2017 happened where George Springer just, like, hit almost every ball he faced yeah, out of the park, and I was like, oh, crap, now I look like an idiot. But the reality is, is, like, (laughs) even Verlander in that postseason was complaining, like, these balls are not the same. And then you you fast forward to the regular season of 2019, and guys are taking pitches that are like scraping the opposite batter's box below their knees and flipping them out, and and those those are balls that should not be carrying over the wall for home runs. And and there's a lot of a lot of that kind of suspicion that these balls have changed, and you're not seeing those same type of cheap home runs that are happening in the postseason, like. Verlander said it best earlier this season, and it's it's so telling that some of the best pitchers in baseball, and not ones that are having down years, you look at Garrett Cole, you look at Justin Verlander, they were near the tops in the majors in home runs yep. allowed, and despite that, they still pitched great. They both had phenomenal, phenomenal seasons, like Cy Young caliber seasons, so it's not like, oh, they're just being bitter because they have a no, four and No, and, and listen, and like, like those pitchers, you know – like not to sound a siren here, but I have a buddy who pitches, and like just the detail that goes into where their hand is placed on the ball, and they are like handling the baseball so often that they know when there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? For sure. They so, do. so the person that I'm going to trust is that person that's throwing the baseball more than and Rob the, Manfred, whose 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 league has literally <laughs> bought out Rawlings. Who manufactures the baseballs? So they can keep it you know, all in house. Yeah, so you, they can you know keep what I'm saying? Like, like if it walks like a duck ahead, and baby. it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. Well, I mean, it's it, it's so insulting to everyone's intelligence for to Halloween sit there costume. and be like, "What you're seeing and what is scientifically backed is not happening." Like, it's absurd. But so the thing is, pitchers like Verlander and Cole. They pound the strike zone because they're good, and that's what good pitchers do. But that's obviously going to make them susceptible to more home runs because if you're in the strike zone and they get contact with it. But Verlander said it best earlier this season. He said before, as a pitcher, in his whole career, his entire life, it's been about missing the barrel of the bat. That's what pitching's been about. He said this year, you're, you have to miss bats entirely. And that's so the fundamental change to the game, and not just the change to the game, but the yo-yoing of on a whim without telling anybody that MLB just literally just whips. Well, I guess well, this postseason we're using a different yeah, ball. Yeah, but it's Could not even imagine? yo-yoing and not telling anybody. It's like you said, it's an insult to the intelligence of the fans saying, "No, nothing's different." It's like that sleight of hand, right? Like misdirection. If the playoffs start, 
and all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers has to play with a ball that's eight ounces heavier. Right. Or deflated. You deflated a little bit because he likes them overinflated. This, but is, see, I think this that... is why I didn't use Tom Brady <laughs> as an example. I wanted to avoid but this. But see, everybody – like, He likes well, them well, overinflated. Hold on a yeah, second. Yeah, even even, like the, even the deflated gate, like when I was playing quarterback, I liked a slightly deflated football. Like I didn't like I didn't cheating. like it. No, <laughs> not – I mean not you under cheated. regulation, but <laughs> – I, I don't get why everybody's making such a big deal okay. about that. Anyways, back AJ, to baseball. What about, what about this rumor that they changed the ball back that's in what, the middle of the postseason? They might have changed oh, it back to what about. the regular season. See, I haven't seen ball. that, but like, do the numbers bear it out? That, well, that's you saw the, more home listen, runs was, the last couple games. You did of the ALCS I mean, yeah. for but, sure. But I was, I was listening to need during the playoffs, Even, um, and it sounded like with the stats that he had, the things you guys talked about, the exit velocity. The ball leaving the bat, just kind of how fast the ball is being thrown, is the pitches that you saw going out of the park in the regular season were staying in the park in the right. postseason, and the uh, and the weather wasn't enough to kind of offset. That no, difference. but you got to also um, think too, like, like where are they about. playing these series? Like they were playing, they weren't playing in cold weather except for maybe in Minnesota and, and New York. You had Atlanta where it was like ninety degrees during their series, mm-hmm. very little home Houston's runs. Houston's indoors. Houston's indoors. Right, LA, LA with, warmer, warmer, but, but again, level. you kind of got that sea air, and then uh, Washington. I mean, that's kind of a probably a little bit of a crapshoot when it comes to weather, but it, it's one of those things that like it's they're trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. Like, no, nothing's different. It's the same game, but they're they're changing it. And and I mean, we could spend hours talking about Rob Manfred and the abomination that I think he is to baseball. But um, it, it's just – it's a disservice to the fan base. And then, I mean, don't even get me started on series games. Minnesota Twins, New York Yankees game one only on MLB Network. Uh, every other game being broadcast on FS1, which not all fans have access to. Like, if you're trying to mm-hmm. grow the game, then make it available. Yeah. You know? I hated that they started some of the games at, like, 4 yeah. o'clock Eastern. I mean, that too, for like, those of us that are crazy. Home. Like, Do Dish but, Network fans get FS1 yet? I don't know, but, like, like the the Astros and Yankees, was it Astros and Yankees? It might have been them or the series prior, Tampa Bay. I know it was probably Tampa Bay because they're a small market. Like, their first game started at noon on a Thursday. <laughs> Like, seriously? Oh, yeah, no, was, fans, no yeah, the Astros had a <laughs> game. They were, they were just I remember it. Ryan was so mad. I know, but, like, and I get it. They have, <laughs> they have four games that they're trying to get in that day, and they're not trying to, like, compete against themselves. No, like, I understand that, but, like, the NCAA tournament figured it out. Like, they the, have games the rolling ALCS, on all the time. They start games at noon. The new. ALCS. The Astro, I think, it, I'm pretty sure, I'm very sure it was the CS. The Astros uh, yeah, played Astros a day game. Ryan was, so I'm sitting in my office at work, and I'm typing away on the computer. I got the game on the TV, and Ryan's like, we said something about the game, and Ryan's like, the game started? He's like, Comcast has it like 7 o'clock on the channel, guys. Yeah, that was bullshit. Like, Comcast had it fucking 8. <laughs> he's like, what is it being, but that's so crazy. Like, everybody's at work. It was like a Tuesday or something. Like, well, baseball is supposed to be week. played in the sun. Didn't anyone tell I mean, you that? I mean, I get that. <laughs> yeah, Paul, you're right. Game three started at 4.08 Eastern time on Tuesday, October 15th. It's crazy. It was because like, it was a podcast day. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing, too. That's Eastern time. Right. So your Western Conference fans, or Western Conference, what, your West one Coast o'clock. fans. Your best Coast people were starting at 1 o'clock. Best Coast. Hey, bro, you're at lunch, coast. and they're starting a World Series game. 
or a championship series game. I mean, I'm, no, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, back in the day, the World Series was played in the middle of the day. Like, I get that, but that's not 2019. So let's 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 meet our fans where they're at, and let's mm-hmm. not make games hard to access. Right, like my brother and I, we my brother and I subscribed to MLB TV because I lived in Texas for a while, so I could watch the Tigers. Right, so we subscribed together, and so I was like, okay, I don't through my streaming service now, I don't get MLB Network, so I didn't I didn't have the chance to watch the Twins and the the Yankees. So then I go, okay, well I have this subscription that I've paid for. Let me get on there and see if I can find it. No, I have to log in with my TV provider, who's not available mm-hmm. because they don't participate with the MLB so I didn't get to watch game one of the Minnesota the twins and the Yankees you know what I'm saying like right playoff games like could you imagine if the NFL did that you know what I'm saying like yeah stuff that matters and and it's it's just it's a disgrace in my opinion like first of all NHL's had yeah, the same problem. You you got the that issue NHL's with the balls you got nobody that trusts Manfred plays on versus and it just becomes a matter of people like there's there's a reason why baseball's having trouble growing. It's because they don't they don't know what they're doing. They think they know well, like like they're coming out trying to think that they can cut cost of minor league players and dismember like forty teams, and that's going to help grow the game. You know what I'm like? I I just well, don't I don't defense. get I don't get the the logic and the thinking behind what they're trying to do with this game because. I, I mean, you guys know my opinion, like, football and all that, yeah, it's great, but baseball is the game. And if you're going to do this, like, you're going to you're gonna put it in its grave really fast. Write that one down in shocking takes, former pro baseball player. Stop. Baseball is the best <laughs> game I, of uh, all Again, games. to be clear and on record, I have never played pro professional baseball. <laughs> Stop doing that, man. <laughs> so, man so what about like the – uh, all so, right. like, what about the actual matchup? Okay. Because yeah. you guys talked about the uh, the Astros being such a huge favorite and how you felt that it wasn't necessarily um, – not that the Astros didn't earn that favoritism, right. but that the Nationals were too good to be such a big underdog. And I was doing some research earlier because I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you already know I'm not the biggest baseball mm-hmm. fan in the world, but I know the Astros are great. And one of the things that I felt was cool about this series is when I was a little bit more into baseball – I was playing MLB The Show back in 2008, 2009, um, 2010, things like that. The Astros and the Nationals were both Mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to see them throughout the years not really paying attention, you know, 10 years later, and now they're both in the World Series. And in doing some of my research, the Astros, it seems like at least from their performance, not just this year, but throughout the past couple years, they do deserve to be that kind of favorite. Uh, In the history of the MLB, only two teams – have won uh, 100 games three times and won two World Series titles in the same three-year span. Wow. That was the Philadelphia A's from 1929 to 1931. My man. And the St. Louis Cardinals from 1942 to 1944, and that's what the Astros have a chance to pull off. So for for uh, myself as a basketball fan, it's pretty akin to the war or the stretch that the Warriors right. had put together 100%. when they had you know like the most wins in a three-year span, um, two titles, things like that. Right. So to see that level of dominance, to me on paper, it makes sense that they 
they would be that big of a favorite. Right. Uh, but I'm excited to actually watch the series, even though it is going up against my favorite sport, the opener of it. Uh, but I've loved Steven Strasburg ever mm-hmm. since he's come into the league. He was he got all this hype when he came out, right. and I was all about it. He threw, I think he was touching like 102, 103 uh, straight out of, what did he go, San Diego, San Diego State? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he went to San Diego yeah. State because I was out there so, at the same you know, time he was out there, actually. Perfect. So coming out of San Diego State, throwing just absolute heat. Uh, his first game in the MLB, 14 strikeouts. Uh, it was against, the, like, the worst team in the league, but he put on a show. And in game two, it's him versus Justin Verlander, who, again, not a big baseball fan, but those would be my two favorite pitchers. And then you also have Max Scherzer in the series. Who's getting who, beat up right uh, now. <laughs> who I'm been or who I've been a big fan of, you know, since he was a Tiger, and I'm a guy who loves strikeouts, um, strikeouts and home runs a little bit, but I do prefer those games that are three to four, two to three, mm-hmm. because and it then seems like every pitch matters, and that one run lead or two run lead that right. you have, not that it's insurmountable, but as a fan, you feel really comfortable right. with it. Whereas if the ball's flying out the park and the score is eight to ten, you're like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's nothing. That's something that we can overcome. So I like that having those more tense moments of two to three, four to five, uh, and I like a heavy strikeout rate. So this is a series that myself, I'm just looking forward to watching. Well, and I, and I think that one of the most intriguing things about this matchup, okay, we talked about the the Nats being one of the hottest teams, right? I think it was back in May, and I can't remember the date right off the top of my head, and I can't look it up fast enough. But back in May, the Detroit Tigers and the Nationals had the exact same record. Oh yeah, the Nationals were nineteen and thirty-one. Yep. And since the twenty-third of May, have gone eighty-two and forty, including the so, playoffs. So, so there's a number of things that you can talk about with that, right? Like you have two organizations that are completely going different directions, but the the type of grit that I think it takes to win that many games in that amount of time. Um, it, it just shows that like, this is not a fluke, first of all. Um, so the fact that they're underwhelming betting favorites, like I get that because you're right, Ryan, like hundred percent, the Astros have earned like this dominance. Um, it, the Yankees have come close, right? Like that, that was a good series, but I don't think that series was ever really in question. Um, in fact, like I, I game six, I laid down on the couch to make myself comfortable, and my head hit the pillow, and El Tuve hit the home run, and I was like, "Well, so much for getting comfortable, right?" Like it, it just was never, it was never in question because number one, you saw in that ALCS that dominant pitching is what it takes, as opposed to a great bullpen. Like the the Yankees have a great bullpen, but their starters are subpar. And, and you had to rely on them four days in a row. Exactly. And those aren't start to. Right. So that's why I think this series is is very intriguing because you have four pitchers. Well, three and a half because Sanchez is like back, but is he really back kind of thing? You never really know. Um, well, and, and also Granky kind of sort of. Right. Really, but, but it's also so Zach like Granky, right? They, like, they equal one more. So it is four. In a right. Sense. So you have like. <laughs> You have the Astros, who have three very solid pitchers, but a question mark on the fourth. And then you have the Nats, who have three really solid pitchers and kind of a question mark on the fourth, even though I'd take the Nats question mark over the Astros question mark. 
Yeah, this and, is crazy. The first time in history, five of the top ten pitchers in strikeouts in the regular season right. are in the World Series. Right. And, One and two, both it, on Houston's side. But, all, all but that, that also goes into, again, the game has changed, right? Because, and you hear this talked about from the old guys all the time, but, like, striking out used to be a point of shame. Mm-hmm. But it's not now really. Now strike out or home run. Right, right. Because that's kind of the way that the game has kind of morphed. And and so I, really I do days. not like that. I like I, small ball. A lot. I so is, I mean I do too. But like analytically, out. like analytically, small ball is not the most effective approach. Like you actually have less. I like Tigers. It's like, so yeah, much you, more entertaining baseball. It, it, it can be entertaining baseball, but you have less of a percentage to get a run scored with a guy on first. No, or let me start over. You have more of a percentage to get a guy home standing on first with no outs than you do a guy standing on second with one out and so but that's the thing it's all about the outs and so and this is i understand that but that's where small ball comes in because you're giving up <laughs> Wait, out that's what baseball's about in. yeah but like it's, no but so it frustrates me and that's what i hate about what we're seeing right now in baseball is it's strikeout or home run it is and that makes for a boring game it's a, a lot like the nba right now that's dunks and threes right it Really, mostly threes and a lot of missed threes. Mm-hmm. Right. Disgusting, but um, <laughs> it's, the Warriors it's and striking not. outer home runs. That's not exciting baseball. I mean, yeah, home runs cool, but when you have ten a game and okay, he hits a big bomb and everyone just sitting there watching the ball. There's no right. defensive play. There's no whipping the ball around. There's no actual base running. Right. There's no stolen anything. He just hit a home run. Great. And, or and see, that's where Ricky Henderson could not that's play. That's where them. that's where I thought. Well, that's a false statement, but. That, that that's where I thought like when this Tigers rebuild started I was like okay like I understand home runs are the name of the game but we don't have a home run ballpark like at all right like yes there have been stats done by StatCast and Mike Petrello of StatCast and he's actually said that Comerica Park's actually one of the more favorable hitters parks because of that batter's eye in the background that players are very comfortable hitting in Comerica Park it's just a very deep park right so right. when the Tigers started this rebuild, I, I was like, okay, like I kind of get the direction that they're going. Let's see if they can get there because you saw in a lot of the profiles of the guys that they traded for that they had good gap-to-gap power. And so what it sounded like they were doing is they were kind of foregoing that home run for doubles replacing doubles kind of thing. Now that hasn't come to fruition because like Candelario struggled a little bit. Lugo is apparently abysmal. But we have like... <laughs> that's where the the I cry. Yeah, I I mean, it. it I I thought that the rebuild was gonna go that direction and kind of like almost change the game back a little bit. Not necessarily the small ball, but like we always said when we were playing, like you got a guy on second, like replace him, right? Because if you replace him, then we're up a run and in the same position we were, right? Guy standing on second. Now let's just keep replacing each other. Keep replacing each other. Doubles, doubles, doubles. Because if we can get that, like I, I think that's more effective than a home run, in my opinion. So, with this rebuild, like we haven't gotten there, right? Um, and it's yet to be seen if we will get there. But I think with this World Series, you're going to see a lot more of the reversion back to high strikeouts, low scoring, like just a great and like you talk about pace of play, like these should be rather crisp and quick games. Unlike 2017, well, where you had five-hour regulation games because they hit. Houston keeps making Max Scherzer pitch 25-plus pitches in an inning. It ain't well, going to be a the, quick game on one side of the ball. You're right. But, the, see, that's the, the beauty of the Astros lineup is, like, 
from one to nine, Whew. like they their on base percentage is is ridiculous because they you they know how to lying. take walks. Like that was the one thing that they kept saying about Bregman. Like Bregman, one of the bright young players of the game. Like he's not your typical like power hitter. That's like all or nothing, right? Like the dude can draw a walk. Like I was looking. If you just look at the ALCS, for instance, and their on-base percentage, um, 444, 407, 423, 333, getting on a third of the time. Like, as a team, their on-base percentage was at 281. And you have some, like, pitchers thrown in there and and different things. They did actually have a pitcher, I think, get in that bat. But, um, like, this on-base percentage is what's going to – drive up Scherzer, and it's one of the ways that they're going to counteract this dominance of the Nationals. I, look how different this series is than just a couple years right. ago, Astros-Cubs. Uh, Astros-Cubs? Wasn't it Indians? It Indians Indian Cubs. Cubs. The Astros played the Dodgers. Astros beat the I'm Dodgers. Sorry, I meant the, I meant the Astros-Dodgers. The I meant Astros-Dodgers. I mean, Astros-Dodgers, and you had how many... What was the one game they had? How many innings did it go? 17, I think. 17 Yeah, innings. something like that. It's... God, I love that series. It was a fun, it was a fun and exciting series because, like Ryan was saying, like that seen. tension was high because you never knew what was going to happen. So, like, on that aspect of it, yeah, it's entertaining and strong, but the... Zimmerman with the home run. When you can't, when you can't like, so get out, you're not going to speed up the game, right? And so if yeah. they're if they're sitting here trying to say like we want pace of play, then why would you juice the baseball? That like the fans still want home runs. I mean, you know, you look at the strike. I, of I get that, but at the same back, time, it was like a home run race, right? But, but it's not. I understand that, but the that was also was so aided by steroids, right? The like the game was so different back then. Man, Zimmerman tagged that one. I'm slightly yeah. behind you guys, but I mean, cow. so. You know, you, you talk about trying to speed up the game. It's going to be hard to speed it up when on one side of the ball, you've got the second greatest offense ever behind only Murderer's Row of 1927 with the Yankees. You got a citation for that? Uh, it's according to <laughs> metric weighted runs created, which okay. adjusts for park and ERA. The Astros had the second best offense ever. I love that stat, and I'm glad that you cited Yankees. your source. The teacher in me is applauding you. And See, I'm I'm all this, about never I mean, ever mentioning the source. I know you <laughs> yeah, are you know. because you know. Paul's yeah, he's like he'll, he'll, he'll Paul's like let me throw out these arguments and then you can verify if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> well, so my that's thing how he is, argues. That's why I, I don't hold everyone to Stafford it. Stafford like, got the most <laughs> passing yards ever. When I, when I look it up. have a discussion, I'm bringing a lot of points to the table always. I'm not going to slog my already myriad of things that I'm saying down with. This is where I got this, with, and this is truth. where this comes right. from. You if find you other things to slog it down right, with. Because either what does either proof trust matter? what I'm saying or do your own homework. No, yeah, but, but see, the, the problem, <laughs> the problem with that statement, Paul, is the very first part of it. Trust what you're saying. <laughs> like people Disaster. Like, I've never once, never tell a lie yeah, in my right. life. Okay. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> So this is blasphemy right, of the This angry. is why you guys lose at cards. It's karma. Oh yeah, right. Karma's weighted so much more in your favor than it is mine. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I never got to play pro baseball. Neither did I. Why are well, the I... Uh, Why are the Nationals so old? They have Howie Kendrick, <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman, and Kurt Suzuki. All those guys are. What about, about Annabelle Sanchez? Is that normal? 
I'm just talking about their hitters. Their hitters that are starting game one of the World Series, position players. I mean, except Howie Kendrick. Because even with their, like, they have two guys, Robles and Soto, that are young guys, but you can't build a team with just young guys or you're going to end up like the 2019 Detroit Tigers. Like, you, you have to have veteran leadership. Unfortunately, the Tigers' veteran leadership is not that great, Miguel Cabrera. And Shots. the. Shots! <laughs> Shots! Fire. Fire! Well, I'm just saying, like. Who do you want mentoring uh, the young kids on how to play the game the right way? Like Brandon I, Inge? Uh, no, like give me, give me, give me, give me a guy like give me a guy like Ryan Zimmerman who's been with the club his entire career since they've been in existence. Since they've been in existence, and 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 has has played the right way. Like I and and Miggy could be that presence. I don't think Miggy wants to be that presence. Paul disagrees. I think JB the attacks on Miggy's leadership are too much. I, I and I agree with you. I think that they're overblown too. I don't think that what I said is overstated. I think that I think that if Miggy truly wanted to be a leader, I think that you would see it in a lot of different ways. There are plenty of times during games when he's getting tossed because it just seems like he doesn't want to be there. And I know that that's an assumption I, that I'm making, but I don't I think that's leadership. Think, now. I think a lot of it has to do with what he's went through over the years, but I self-inflicted think wounds most of the time. This, I'm talking injuries. And stuff. I understand that, but a lot you of know, that, so you a lot of that Zion for his own injuries, but not Miggy, well, who was also yeah, but, Zion is 500 pounds as so a 19-year-old. So was Miggy. Hey, as no, a 19, Miggy wasn't as a 19-year-old, but Zion even at the same time, even at the same time, like I think a lot, I think a lot of Miggy's health problems come from his self-inflicted wounds. Like, I mean, yeah, alcohol breaks down the body. Right. Um, no, I don't, that was totally uncalled for. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, we love slandering and, and on Ryan, this podcast. And Ryan, like back to like that's Dylan's thing, but well, I mean, it, it's it's not like it's even alleged he was arrested for it, so it's not like we're even making that large of an accusation. Well, it's true. I mean, when he was hey, on the side he, of the road, didn't he threaten to like, blow up the police station or something? What? <laughs> it was. Didn't he threaten to blow up the police station after he got pulled over? That, no, but he was on the side of the road giving the cops very he, much he help. He threatened to blow up something. There are definitely terroristic threats in there. Wonderful time. So, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, is I that who you want leading so, your long, young kids? But my thing is, if this team was built like the Nationals and they were going to contend or do something, I think you would see a vastly different Miggy. And I think that it's unfair to I understand that, but that also to speaks to the quality this. of his leadership. He only leads when it's good. But what do you want him to do? I, I, don't, I don't know how much leadership is going to be. He's, like, he's, like he's, he's not going to turn Candelario into a 300 hitter. No, but he could. I mean, I don't, but why Why does he get that burden? Because, because he's he because he's the, a year? Well, one, because of his contract. Yes. <laughs> two, yes. But that's not, two, that's not what you were paying him no, for. We're Paul, paying him to hit I the un, shit out of the I understand that. But at the same time, like you're also talking about probably the greatest hitter of our generation. And if he has the ability to instill that wisdom into younger players that can benefit the team that's taking care of him basically for his entire career... Like why would why like I think that speaks a lot to him, you know what I'm saying? I mean, what is he gonna tell them? Stop sucking. No, when it's two feet Paul, inside the plate, Paul, be the greatest hitter ever it's and not, put it out of the park. It's not anyways. that. No, it's not that. It's it's not about necessarily even fundamentals. It's 
okay, how are you preparing for this at bat? What are you seeing from the pitcher? Here's what I see from the pitcher. Like, there's a lot of wisdom that can be passed down and a lot of leadership things that, that can be done that we might not even see. But And I'm not saying that he's not doing it. He may very well be doing it, but I think that the the proof is kind of in the pudding. Like, there there are clearly – there were times this year it looked like he was arguing balls and strikes to get tossed out of a game because he didn't want to be there. And that's an assumption on my part. I'm just I'm just – giving that out there that's not fact because i don't know i'm not in his head but that's not leadership he was arguing balls that he thought were strikes. Huh? look an eight an eight like, man i want to get back to this dugout how dare you call that right ball so ball. i love you so much man call that strike three. <laughs> i know. completely missed what that. did he say <laughs> oh god i, love I said an eight-time so all-star much. tells me something about baseball i'm gonna take it as fact <laughs> oh my gosh you guys are idiots <sighs> i don't even know why i subjected myself to this <laughs> All right, but back to the, back the, to the World series, series at hand. Yeah, we got way off topic. What we happened? Com- got completely. Well, you know, at least it was all baseball. Related. It's hard not to tie it back to the Tigers because that's what we're dealing with, right? Like, right. And because I'm looking Justin at a tiger Berlin on the mound right now. Scherzer and I honestly, so this is the most disappointing thing. I'm so freaking angry at the shit. Listen, New York is hell on earth already. And they are so garbage <laughs> that it had to rain out an entire game. If it didn't rain out that game, we would have Justin Verlander versus freaking Max Scherzer on the mound game one of the World okay, Series. Do you know how ridiculous that is? What do you think is going to happen game five? I think it's not going to be baby. Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. I bet it could line up that way. It's not going throw to. All, throw all the horses out game yeah, seven. Yeah, I mean, Verlander, Cole, you're, you're, you're probably going to get this matchup at some point, Paul. I want it so bad. I'm in a be so upset when it doesn't happen because how, Houston's going to sweep and how would that work uh, unless they pitch one of them on short rest because you got Scherzer against Cole today you've well, got I don't Verlander know. against Strasburg tomorrow there will be a hold on there will be a break there there'll be a there'll be an off day but like on regular rest you could get like the the Astros don't have a fourth starter but I the thing is why would they skip over a Cole start that, I'm not saying they would skip over a That's Cole start but do. like I, what if they pitch Cole on short rest that fourth game? And they go up with, against they Sanchez? Won't. Against Sanchez. There's no reason to. There's no reason to. I, I, I'm, I, 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 I agree with you, but I'm saying like there, it really is within bad. the realm of possibility. I have resigned myself that I don't get to see this because like any Tigers fan, everything that should happen and that I want to happen gets right up to the precipice. and then. I mean, isn't that the case with all of Michigan sports? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the Lions don't even get right to that. Right. I mean, it's purgatory. We're just uh, – it's whatever. But back to the series. Yeah. So, obviously, we talked about the pitching, too, a lot. And we've kind of glossed – we've mentioned the Tigers' connections, the obvious connections, which just kills us inside. And how did we never get it done? But the one place where Houston has the obvious advantage and – Ryan already brought up the stat, or maybe it was Matt. I don't know. They both brought some good stuff to the cast with the hitting and how good of a lineup the Houston Astros have. That's why I said earlier, I think a low-scoring series kind of favors the Nationals because that's the game they want to play. They want to be able to have great pitching and steal a game without having to score 10 runs. They don't want to win a 10-8 to game. I mean, they'll take it if they can, but they're less likely to win that game, both because... Their pitching staff, while it's amazing, they don't have the bullpen that the Astros have. So if they extend into the bullpen, that doesn't play to their game. And they don't have the depth of lineup that they have. Now, this World Series, 
especially in baseball, this is seven games at the most. It's a small sample size. Anything could happen. The Nats could score eight runs a game and shock the world. But in all likelihood, that's where Houston so really has an advantage. It's interesting that you bring that up because in their championship series, okay, according to baseball reference, the Nats had a higher batting average and on-base percentage than the Astros. Well, I mean, it helps when you're going against perennial chokers like Clayton Kershaw. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> one bad inning, and you know what I'm saying. Like, I had to. I I really, Clayton Kershaw bothers me. I yeah. Like I mean, he he's an enigma. It's never in the history of any sport in the history of the world has anyone's regular season performance. But been such but you a also like. To their I, but also like he's also been there to be in those positions to, you know what I'm saying like. Not every pitcher in the MLB who's as dominant as he was has had those opportunities. So do we know that they wouldn't choke too? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we don't know that at all. But it's one of those things where it, it's it's unexplainable. I seen it. I seen it. I know, but and it's but it's it, it's truly an enigma. Like, I mean, how you are for for a long time now have been considered the best. Or one of the very one best pitchers the best. on the planet. Right. For a while, he was considered the unquestioned best. Right. I mean, you're talking about a guy, but when you start to break it, so the way he's performed in the postseason, it makes you question things you normally wouldn't question. Like if you take his regular season resume and you're like, "Wow, really this Matthew might Stafford. be the best." <laughs> Are you sure about that? Ever. Is there a source to verify like, that, Ryan? <laughs> This guy is just so good. Like, the numbers he puts up are so absurd. But then he's been so poor in the postseason, it makes you start to question things. And you look at, well, he plays in the NL. Well, he hasn't faced this competition. Well, his best numbers are against lackluster teams. And when it counts, he hasn't really gotten it done. When you have all that, and then you are in the eighth inning, I believe, of a game. And you have to close out this series to get to the World Series. And they bring you on. This is your spot. Not even the World Series. But but it's not. But, Paul, it's also. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. They didn't even make it out of the divisional round. My bad. But, Paul, it's also one of those things. Like, he was also asked to come in and get the last out of the seventh inning in that game and then sit on the bench and then come out in the eighth inning. So, like, truly, like, yeah, okay. I, I get what you're saying, and, I, and I'm not saying I disagree with you because, again, I think it's unexplainable how Kershaw's performed in the postseason. But he's also been put in situations that, like, it, when Verlander came in relief in the World Series, didn't he struggle a little bit? Because they're out of their routine. Oh, and these athletes oh, are Ver, – but, but hold on. Verlander has put up some subpar I understand in, that. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Like, to, to ask your ace to come in and get one out – sit on the bench, and then come in and get three more outs. Like, I, I put that more on Dave Roberts than I put it on Clayton Kershaw. Like, that just and seems like terrible trust, management. You have to be and to, to be fair to Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw with Kenley he Jensen shed some of that in 2017. You, you have to be able to trust the I understand that, but you have one of the best closers in the game. What's wrong with asking your closer to get a six-out uh, six save? I, well, he's I mean, a closer. He's not a six out pitch. He's not a two inning. There's been one inning closers that have three six outs. He's done it in the postseason before. Kenley Jensen's coming in the eighth inning in a so clean. So what inning. happens if he has a rough eighth inning or gets on the rocks in the early in the ninth and you have to pull? They the still have point. Joe Kelly, who was dominant in the World Series last year, and other pitchers. I don't think that they had used Ken, uh, Kenta Maeda yet. So I am a believer. Yeah, I didn't agree with bringing in. 
I am I, absolutely I, I'm not. a believer not, in putting not your best players out there. Right. But, but Paul, you, in, that to close in that situation, in that situation, in that situation, like late game situation, save situation, your best pitcher is not Clayton Kershaw. Your best pitcher is Kenley Jensen. Me, to me, six outs is a lot different than three or even four. I, I, you're a hundred percent right. Actually, it's I'm not with six you. outs; it's seven outs. Well, no. I guess you're saying he you're gets saying the out after Kershaw gets after the out. Kershaw in the got the out because. But so I send Kershaw out there, and he gets that out in the seventh. Yeah. I feel good about sending him back out there. He pitched; he right. was an easy out. He got it taken care of, and he did He's it on like three ace, or four pitches. And I, I think. need him. I want him to get through this inning, so I don't. What to 100%. me? One hundred percent. But at the same I, I time, you're also asking him thinking. to be out of his routine I, as a creature have, of habit. And, and I just sent Clayton Kershaw out there, and he just got the out, no problem. What is the better odds to me that I get Clayton Kershaw and my great closer to get through two innings, I, or I force my closer to try to get through? Two or innings? you use one of your other bullpen arms to come into a clean but inning? You don't want to do that because there are other bullpen arms for a reason, and I, it's not. While the Dodgers aren't bad, let's not act like they have the best bullpen in the history of baseball. No, but I they had very fault. serviceable guys that performed right. admirably in the one-inning situations that they had proven to be much better at than going four, five, six innings and, for them and as a starter. If would. you just watch the way that Kershaw, like even his delivery and how like uh, meticulous it is with the raising of the arms, and like he clearly is a guy that loves his routine, right? And so to ask repetition. him, right, repetition. It. So tell me the last time he came in to get one out in the seventh and then pitch a clean eighth inning. Like that, like you can't overstate that case. He was not, that is not a situation that he's familiar with. Should he be able to do it? Yeah. Us sitting in our armchairs, quarterbacking him saying, yeah, you should be able to get out Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. But it's not his routine. And he left two balls up and they got hit out of the park. And look, he had a bad he had a bad run there at the end of this series. The Dodgers shot themselves in the foot in that series in general as a team. Yep. You know, I did not agree with a lot of the moves that Dave Roberts made in that series. He's done and that, that's but, on them but see, that's the thing about Dave Roberts. For some reason, like he's insulated because he's made moves like that over the and last three years. Is. I know he's made moves like that over the last three years that are highly questionable. And yeah. cut, like I think he made moves. Was it Game Six, maybe of the 2017 World Series, where he like just kept going matchup with matchup with matchup with bullpen, and it was like, dude, your starter was rolling, and you pulled him after five. I think it was uh, who's the old lefty um, with the blisters? On, I'm trying to think. I'm, I was looking at it right now. Um, um, Rich Hill. Rich Hill. Rich Hill was dominating. Yeah, and you took him correct. out after like three innings or like four, four innings. Four and two thirds. Yeah. Yep. Pulled him out because of, of the a analytics. Four hit, and, one run baseball. And like, well, it's not even so. That's where I. So you can overmanage. Hundred percent. But in that case, Rich Hill is literally like fifty years old. But he was but rolling. That he day. was rolling. And how old he is? He's rolling that day. He was rolling on the stat no, sheet. No, no, no. You got. You got to remember that was the year that he was rolling the entire season. Like he, he threw, they traded he for him that year. Fifty-eight pitches through four and two thirds. That's pitches. rolling. That's roll. Yeah, hundred percent. That's rolling. That that's. You're averaging a twelve. How many walks? Pitches an inning. That's how rolling. many walks? One. Yeah. No. One there, walk. No five reason. strikeouts. Didn't one even get run on a home run. So that's what that's the problem I have with a lot of managers today. Is, is analytics they're one of two? Yep. Well, they're either one of two approaches. They're either they completely do whatever they feel like, right. or they're a slave to the numbers. So yeah. Where. You have to do both. Like, right. So if you got a guy who has been terrible the third time through the order, right. 
but he Michael has Fulmer. allowed one hit and one walk through the first two times of the order, and he's cruising. You don't just pull him oh. without seeing you give him one hitter how at he a time. faces the first batter or two. Now, if he walks the first guy yeah. the third time through, pull him out of the yep. game before he kills yep. you. That's fine. I'm okay with it. But don't just say, well, the numbers say this, so I'm pulling him out. I'm Because maybe this is his day. And maybe he's going to completely shut them down the third time through the order. You don't know. And I think that speaks to, again, that kind of morphing that the game's going into. Like, I 100% like get the analytic approach to the game, right? Like... That I, I think that it has its place, and I think that it's a good thing. But to make every decision based off of analytics, it it doesn't guarantee you, one, that you're going to win. Two, it takes the entire human element out of it. Like, the you have to – a manager's job ha, is to know the numbers, know the splits, and know what they are, and know your percentages, but then also know your players. Because those 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 numbers are taken on a on – a, like they're almost in a vacuum, right? Like, yeah, this pitcher might be better against righties and lefties, or righties versus lefties. But what if he threw twenty pitches the day before? Do you get where I'm going with that? Like, analytics 100%. have their place, but we have to like be careful that they don't overtake the game because it's I honestly going to ruin the product. I honestly think managing pitching staff. It's pretty easy. And I know Can't that be. some people will be like, that's outrageous. I I look at this mask scoffing already. Because uh, out of the outrageous things that you say weekly, like that's only like number like 105 on the list. <laughs> Honestly, so the thing is with pitchers. Joe Madden, who? <laughs> if you watch enough baseball, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell when they're missing, when they're laboring. Regardless of the results, whether they're giving up hits or walks or whatever, regardless of just what's happening on the field, you can tell if a pitcher has it, if he's starting to lose it, Mm -hmm. if he might be able to get it back. And it is not faultless. But if you are experienced around the game, the one thing that I will put feel over numbers any day is pitching. Do you know your pitcher's? And you can tell when they start to lose it. And, and if I'll tell you who's good, one of the best at that. If they can get it back, I'll tell you who's one of the best at that. And that's Jimmy Leland. No, come on, man. Like, come on. I, Give I, it I'm, to I'm me. not saying that he's not bad. What I'm saying is one of the best right now. That kind of, and it's interesting because they're a very analytics-driven team. Is AJ Hinch for the Astros? He's he. I think he manages. Like he'll go out and say. Talk to Verlander. Verlander's go. I got him, and he'll let him take him, even if the analytics say differently, right? Like, and I think that's, I think that's why that's part of the reason why the Astros have been so successful over the last couple of years, is because they have a manager that, that understands the human element, percent. but also like takes the analytics into consideration. So I think this series is going to be fun. I genuinely think it is the biggest difference between the best managers and the nice, how they manage their pitching staff. Because there's yeah. no and there's no way to document it strictly on numbers because you're projecting so many unknowns. No, but but projected but based on the experience that we had in to 2014. To your team from giving up runs to prevent the whole – I mean, it's baseball. You win the game by scoring more runs than you give up, right? Little Joe Madden. John Madden. Sorry. Joe – what? Joe Madden. John Madden. He always had the John stupid sayings. Like, oh, okay. You score right. more points, you win okay. the game. Okay, I was like, so, John Madden's football. So, the best way 
the best managers save so many runs mm-hmm. by managing their staff the way we talked about, by letting a guy go longer or pulling a guy before right. he's going to do And one of the worst team. examples of that was Osmus in 2014 with Os- the staff he had. was the absolute worst. So. 2014 it was his whole career. I mean, I would. It was a joke. I remember, and I used. To, but that you, staff that we I had in 2014 was and was so it was inexcusable. It, yeah. Because I mean, yes, we had a down Verlander because he was dealing with the injury, but you still had Scherzer, you still had Price, you still had Sanchez, and you still had Porcello. I mean, we used to talk about it all the time. Right. How embarrassing it was. But it was stupid. I remember my brother-in-law came down to stay with us for a couple months because he was doing some work down in Ann Arbor, and we were a lot closer than where he lived from it. So he had come down to stay with us, and we watched every every day. We'd watch the Tigers together, and it was just stupid. Like yeah. we would sit there on our couch and be like, "Osmus really needs to pull this guy right now," and he wouldn't, and he'd give up three runs that inning, and then Osmus would pull him when the damage is done, or the opposite, like yeah. this guy's cruising, let's leave him in, and then he doesn't, and then. And it's just stupid. Like it's like, yeah, anyone can sit on their couch and say that, but legitimately, like eighty-five percent of the time, something bad happened because Osmus made the wrong decision. Yeah. And that's it's so hard as a fan to sit and watch things like that when that's the kind of stuff that if you don't have that feel to manage your pitchers, you shouldn't be a manager, right? Or hire someone who's well. None of us thought Osmus should have been a manager. Period. I agree. He shouldn't have been. The, he shouldn't have been the guy to take over that team. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been able to manage, but he should not have been able to take over a team that was two games away. Step away, away from, from the World Series. I mean, yeah. you can make the case that that ruined his career too. It, you could. He took a job he wasn't ready for in a high pressure situation, yeah. and and then it, look at how long he lasted in L.A. One season. <laughs> That was such a baffling hire to me. Like I, it wasn't. He was. Wor- it wasn't. He was working for their GM as a special assistant, and then when Social was worse? out, he's out. And then now that Madden's available, why? Why would you what? choose? Austin and we also Madden? we also saw this youth movement with managers. You right. saw the Yankees Kapler, do it. You who's saw, also out? Yeah, you and, saw. Uh, I mean, the Astros Alex, did it. You saw. I think the Dodgers did it for a minute. Like, yeah, but Hinch wasn't really like in that vein of the Kaplers and the Coras and the Osmuses. Like, I get that Hinch is probably around the same age as Osmus, but, like, these young guys, like Cora, like, he's probably on the hot seat after this year because they oh, yeah. completely underachieved. The, oh, they were Kapler's, they were screaming at him about stuff in Boston while I was there? Absolutely. Kapler's already out, right? So what is what is worse? You got the Tigers with all the talent they had, never got it done. They never – that decade stretch of dominance and never won a World Series or – the Angels ineptness with one of the greatest all-time players. I, I would say the Angels is the worst. I mean, you, how you can mismanage, what? how you can misman, and, and okay, yes, they don't even make the playoffs. But listen, like yes, they have they have the <laughs> best player in the universe and possibly the greatest player that's ever played baseball. Okay, but baseball is also not a one-man game, like. It's a super team. So, Crazy so team. like, yes, that's great that you have the greatest player that possibly has ever played, but he's still only getting three or four bats a game. And the, worst, the thing is, too, they re-signed him to a huge deal way many, many years ago. They got a steal on him. Back then. They got the most yeah. bargain contract but ever. Even, so they had him even, locked up for, like, a decade on pennies. Yeah, then. Now, like, with nothing. his recent... Right, but well, no, yeah, his recent but, one, he's getting paid like he should. Well, actually, he's actually getting paid less than he should, based on war and surplus value and all that kind of stuff. They say that war's around like seven, eight million, million I think, 
I've seen it up per, to per one per one war, and his yeah. war's like thirty or something like that, which a means season, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like no, not a season. Yeah. No. Well, or okay, so based on not career 30. war, where he's already over like eighty, I think for career oh, war. Oh, career. Oh, he'll for like, sure out. So I pace his earnings. I but. just think that. Um, it first of all that pennies on the dollar contract that they they gave him when he was r- super young um was because one they had to or they weren't going to be able to afford him because if he continued on the pace he was continuing on his arbitration numbers would have been nuts and then his extension after that would have been like probably what Harper got this year baseball's contract system then, is so broken i but hate it. but I you got to also remember what they're doing they're still paying Josh Hamilton and they still have Pujols' contract on the books so you, they that was that speaks to the levels that you've mismanaged this team. Well, yeah, but like, I mean they signed Hamilton, like they they signed him I think after his MVP season in 2010. So like that was not a bad signing. He was just a broken person. And, high and high. Uh, yeah, so like I, I I get why they were trying. Like they tried to compete, but it I mean that that Hamilton contract is as much as we hate the Zimmerman contract is worse than the Zimmerman contract, even though they're, like, in the same vein. Like, they've had one good year, two good years for Hamilton, maybe three at most. And Yeah, but Zimmerman, the problem with Zimmerman, Zimmerman never had years like that. Well, I mean, he had some years where he was really good for the Washington Nationals, but he was coming off an injury. Of really bad teams. Yeah, I, I mean, so I, I just, I don't know, but... Let's go back to this World Series because well, it's Well, real quick, Mike Trout, real quick, yep. had 8.3 war last, yeah. this last season. Okay, so, so eight, you're eight, at 7 million, that's 56 million. A year. And that's being conservative. Right, a year. Um, for this, And that's just this past year. And what's, year. He, what's he making a year? He's making 35, 35 36. I, I don't so, know the exact. So based on surplus value, did they get a bargain? Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, it's, 100%. it's hard to. But see, that's the thing with all these. And I think that. And this is way off topic, way future. But you got the collective bargaining agreement coming up in 2021, and you're going to see some some fist fights. Like players, I I know are undervalued. No, you're going to see fist fights. We're not allowed in there. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I, oh, Matt, you were on fire tonight. You are, but regardless, like I, I it's going to get ugly at 2021, especially if one they go through with this proposal to cut those minor league teams to um, if they continue to let um, that profit sharing, I think that's really, AJ, we got to have you on here more often to talk baseball. There's so much stuff I want to yeah. cover. Not just baseball. The, the, minor, <laughs> the minor leagues is a, a whole nother discussion that we can't get into tonight. Just, just for the people who are curious, cause we were talking about war. So not counting the, his first year that wasn't really a year. Accrued, yeah. The one he, 40 games in that, that didn't even count as no. his, his rookie year <laughs> counting from, well, it doesn't, I mean, no, I know. Works. It's, he literally won rookie of the year the next year. Um, starting from when he actually started playing baseball from his rookie year mm-hmm. in fun fact, his rookie year, he actually had the highest war of his career. Right. Hasn't dipped a lot, but he had just an absurd rookie year. He has averaged nine war a season. Yeah. His entire career. I, I mean, this guy's it, it's it when, you know you have something special when every person that they compare him to stat-wise, like, oh, through this age 27 season, his, the people whose names keep popping up are Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays. Like, every time. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's what drives me. Like, and I and I try to stay away from this, but like I get on Twitter sometimes and I will see people talking about how Yelich is the best player in the game, Betts is the best player in the game, Bellinger is the best player in the game, and I always just tell them, no, they're the hottest player in the game right now. Trout is consistent in the game. Like twenty twelve, like is Mike Trout. The the best player it's... in the game is Mike Trout. There are other people who are the hottest right now, Jesus but Christ. the one consistent is Mike Trout is is putting up equal numbers to them. They're just a new name. So he's you, never done worse than fourth in MVP voting. Right. And that was in twenty seventeen. And Otherwise, arguably two wins. And, and arguably three, four he should have he should have had that MVP. And I'm not saying that he should have. Well, two thousand twelve was the triple crown year. Right, but that that year. Was I mean, it no? He, was it twelve? It was twelve or thirteen, but I'm pretty sure it was. 12. I think it was thirteen. I think it was. It, it was thirteen. Didn't Verlander win it in thirteen? It might no, have no. been thirteen, actually. But the year that he, Miggy won, the year Miggy won it back to back in twelve and thirteen. No, because he had just absurd no, slash. No, yeah, Verlander won it one year, and then the next year Miggy won it. I think it was eleven and twelve. Cabrera won it in twelve and thirteen. I promise. <sighs> now I gotta look this promise. up. Promise. I'm telling you. No, Verlander won it. his. Verlander won his about four, four or five years ago. No, what? 2011. Was it really 2011 that, that long for Verlander, ago now? 12 and 13 for Cabrera. The Tigers had three straight MVPs. Where have you guys been? I'm going to look that up. Getting old because apparently I, I thought that was like five, six years ago, not set, not nine, Matt, eight years Matt ago. Matt has all-timers and our professional baseball players falling apart on me. You're ridiculous. <laughs> Regardless. What? What did yeah, you say? Trout has been absurd. Oh, you're right. Trout has been absolutely No, he absurd. won. Yeah, 12 and 13. You're right. I for once, Paul, prove me wrong when it comes to baseball. I mean, in, in 2013, that had to be the triple that crown That was a triple crown Cabrera year. slashed almost 350 with an on-base percentage of, like, almost 450. Right. His OPS was almost 1,100 But for what season. was Trout? For a season, 44 home Trout was 326. He had a 564 slugging, a 936 on-base percent or OPS. I bet Cabrera crushed freaking 20 more homers than he did, though. And had 49 stolen bases that right. year. Which, I mean, if you go analytically, RBIs are a stat of opportunity, so they're not really that strong of a statistic. I don't necessarily subscribe to that yeah, thought. Yeah, you can't, you but, can't get many RBIs if your teammates don't get on they are base. still important. That, I, right. Yeah, but I, if that's your team's not getting on base, the most you're getting is I one mean, at so, a time so with a solo 20, shot. So 2013, perfect example Cabrera had 40 more RBIs than Trout and 17 more home runs. That's right. big. It is, and that's why he won MVP. While slashing, while slashing an OPS almost 100 points higher. Right, higher. which is why so he won can, the MVP. And that's that's why I don't like war. <laughs> you can be – so you want to talk about opportunity. Mike Trout plays center field, whereas Miguel Cabrera plays first base. You want to talk about opportunity for defensive value – Mike Trout has way, way more. So that's that's uh, also a stat of opportunity. Uh, he has way more opportunity uh, than the guy that gets the ball thrown to him to make a put out. He's just got to catch the ball. He doesn't get bonus points for that. <laughs> so does Mickey. Mickey gets credit for a put out. The infielder gets the assist and the first I'm, I'm baseman gets a put out. I'm talking right. about relative to war. Yeah, it's all about the defensive zone rating. That's where the war comes in. 
But that's stuff that is not for this podcast right now. It's not none of it. So we've gentlemen. got to go off track. It's <laughs> out of control. Spend, so you know what? Let's hour, to reel this we've back. Spent an in. hour on baseball. Let's <laughs> right. get our picks in on who we think. Well, no, hold the on. World series. We, that, yeah, that's what, okay. That's what we got to do. All right. I thought you were going in a different direction when you said picks, and I had to bring no, this no. back into baseball. No, World right. Series picks. Who wins and how many games? Let's let AJ take it from the top. All right. So, um, I, I, I think the Astros are going to win. I think the Astros will probably win in five. But, but if the Nats sneak out this game one tonight, and they can get it to a seventh game, the Nats will win. What do you think is going to be the difference in this series? Like we talked about, what might be. What do you actually think is going to be the difference in this series? I, I think it's going to depend on how quickly the Astros can get into the Nationals bullpen, and it's going to depend on. Who plays the best defense? Because, yes, you have a lot of strikeout pitchers, but you also have Verlander, who I think when he pitched in New York last week didn't even record a ground out. It was all flyouts and strikeouts. But So you're going to need strong defense. And uh, I think you have some liabilities for the Nationals um, with Howie Kendrick um, specifically. The, the Astros' defense is solid. Um, and so if I... I, I my gut tells me that the Astros are going to win in five. So mine is also a complete gut shot, and I hate to piggyback on AJ, but I have the Astros in five. And to me, the difference is actually going to be Justin Verlander. Man, what a copycat. I think How did I not predict I, he was going to jump on the Verlander bandwagon? Well, I so the thing is <laughs> – He's your MVP Verlander too, isn't he? Been, Verlander has not been amazing in World Series, and this is his fourth World Series appearance, I think, now. Yeah. He has not – blown the doors off no. he's been fine for the most mm-hmm. part his rookie year he actually struggled a lot if i recall correctly fyi the mvp just hit a single probably a few minutes ago but the mvp of the series michael brantley <laughs> mark that down <laughs> i you got, think you got brantley winning mvp if the astros win yep i think verlander is going to have one of his best postseason performances ever in this series I think he's going to pitch at least 13 innings across his two games, and I think he's going to allow less than three or less earned runs. I think he's going to be wow. absolutely dominant. I, I think this is the time that he he's done everything but absolutely blow the doors off people in the World Series. Like that's the last check mark. I really think he gets it here. But yeah, he did pretty good in 17. I don't think he's the MVP no. because they're not giving it to a pitcher. And I'm going to go with Mighty Mouse, my boy. Altuve. Altuve. That's a good choice. I love him. That's I the love, obvious choice. I absolutely love him. I love everything about – well, Bregman is the favorite. I love everything about the way Altuve plays the game, probably because I'm a tiny dude myself, and he plays it how I've always tried to play baseball. Uh, different positions, of course. Well, I was an outfielder, but – and I never – see, I'm not a, like AJ. There was a video on uh, Instagram about Altuve after he hit that home run. They, like, interviewed his dad and his mom, and it was uh, – it was a great video. Y'all should check it out. Well, what are the details? Or, I don't know. They out? interviewed him. Like, he was talking about how, like, he grew up. And, like, uh, even though his dad worked so much, he still come home and play ball with them. They never really had money for a glove or a ball or anything like that. So, he had to figure out how to play. And now he, like, takes, like, a bunch of money. And, like, they'll call him and say, hey, this kid doesn't have a glove. So, he'll, like, get him gloves and get him bats and all that. And uh, um, his dad made a statement at the end. And I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it was, like... Uh, all right, who cut the onions kind of thing. Like, it was it was a great video. Uh, 
We got Nads in seven. And my MVP is going to be Mr. Steven Strasburg. Oh. He's going to pitch two lights out games. And they're just going to get it done. And in the seventh game, we're going to see a whole carousel oh, of all-star yeah. pitchers. Oh, yeah. 100%. Scherzer, Verlander, Strasburg, Cole. Yeah. Get them all. Yeah. There. A bullpen game by all the best starters Literally. in baseball. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, it's let's be all out. go. I am super it's an all-star game. I actually no, hope I that that happens. Seven. It would be fan- that would be the would best for the fans. Be, it would, would be. Would it not be the greatest baseball game of all time? Oh yeah. This is what we need. This is what <laughs> baseball needs. It'll be a quick game too. Oh my gosh! What a terrible play by Robles. No, that's not true. It won't be a quick game because you're gonna have all these pitchers coming and doing all these goddamn warm-up pitches first yeah. to get warmed up. It's gonna that's slow what the, the whole thing down. Is for. Matt, they still prediction. come out and throw 15 pitches. Anyway, <laughs> my prediction is the Astros in six. Uh, I like some of the things that Paul said, but. My MVP comes down to there is. I do think there's a chance that Verlander could be the one to grab it. And I think if it goes six and he's dominant in games two and six, where he keeps them to one run or less, I think, and it is a lower scoring World Series, like Paul says it needs to be for the Nats, then that's absolutely a reason to give it to JV. Uh, I don't know how, with the bullpen that the Nats don't have, and I'm talking about the worst bullpen to make the World Series since World War II. And yes, they have pitched better in the postseason, but they really, Martinez has three guys he can really trust in the bullpen, in yeah. Hudson, Doolittle, and Rainey. Yeah. And Excuse outside me. of that, it outside Excuse of that, there's big, there are big question marks for this bullpen that, like I said, the worst to make the World Series since Excuse- World War Did II. Did we no, not no, talk no Tigers today? You. Anyway, did we not? I talk like Tigers the Astros today and how in bad six, their bullpen was. And it's either Verlander or Altuve for MVP. Okay. I mean, not much different than where I was, Mister Contrarian. I think I was the most contrarian selecting Michael Brantley, who rarely strikes out against right-handed pitchers, and that's all that the Nats really offer, except for Corbin. I am going to hop off. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Anytime, let me know. Thanks, right. AJ. Love yes, you, sir. AJ. Thank you for having you us. All right. Ryan's got a question. Our first one is not necessarily a question, but it's more of a, it's not a shocking admission, but it's it's a pretty funny admission coming from one of the NBA's premier big men. Some people have him as a dark horse MVP candidate this year. Nikola Jokic said that he spent five hours last weekend watching Pokemon. Paul, Matt, is this your man's? This is so much my man. So I, much I your man. I don't think I have to explain myself. I really don't. No, you need to tell everyone how much of a Poke nerd you are. Me, I and I already loved. I already loved him. Like he was already so much. You call him a tennis three player. Favorite, <laughs> top three favorite NBA player. And I mean, now he's number two. I, you can't. <laughs> yeah, we know. Can't pass no one's passing Le- LeBron. LeBron's too good. No one else has. Uh, but uh, in your mouth. no, I. It's it's a hundred percent my man's. I I will when Sword and Shield come out. I'm gonna send him a copy. Ask him if he wants to wonder trade. Do some fun. Uh, I, I, I love every part of this. I love, and I also love that it's in vogue now. Like back in the day, a decade ago, you wouldn't hear an athlete say something like that, but now it's like, cool. You got, uh, you got Juju 
doing his anime celebrations in the end zone. Guys playing Fortnite. I know RG3 used to walk the like rock the kids' backpacks and the socks and stuff. Like it's SpongeBob cool. like, it's stuff everywhere. We've we've embraced being a kid now into adulthood, which is better for people. Like we should do this, and I am just so much all about this, especially with Pokemon. <laughs> This is this is my man's. Not with the Pokemon part. I would have switched it out for something like Transformers or Ninja Turtles or something like that. But this is absolutely maybe Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. This is absolutely my man's though. This was a fantastic response to the question of what he did. Uh, I, I loved every bit of it. Cracked up. Love that they're continuing to roll with it. What Pokemon would he be now? All that fun stuff. Uh, you know, these are you know these are not important things but it's it's fun for the fans to you know another way to connect with their players and become have favorite players out of these similar connections uh so yeah this is absolutely my man's it's my man and i hope something uh i hope something comes out of it whether he baby. gets to like the guest voice or yeah. the guest voice spot on pokemon or something like that that'd be really sweet um or an endorsement you know bring bring some pikachu shoes to to the nba the next one that we have is actually a local Eagles fan who was interviewed by probably their local Fox, CBS, ABC, whatever station. I wanted to give proper credit, but I don't know it. And as opposed to me just telling you guys what he said, I'm actually going to listen to you. Or I'm actually going to let you guys listen to it. So after the Eagles got absolutely destroyed by the Cowboys. Here is what local Eagles fan Monty G, and I hope I'm saying that name right, Monty. It's either G or G. Here's what he had to say. The answer, I talked stuff. I thought we had it, but it goes to show you who's a better team, and I'm sticking Cowboys. You're, you're crying. <laughs> I'm hurt. I love my Eagles. I don't believe it. You're going to flap the hat one more time for the Eagles for the hard fight they did? That is a man who is absolutely hurt, but he still sticks by his team. That's really the the question on whose man is this. Is with how much you have been hurt by your teams, with how much pain they have caused you over the years, they may have even caused you a few tears. Are you guys always going to stand by your team like Mr. Monty is here? What I regret right now is that our audience cannot see this video. Oh, I'm sure a lot of them have. To look at this man, the pain, the literal tears, the flapping of the eagle on his head, all of it, in the reporter, what a... Can I say... No, not the C word, no. I can't say the C word, can I? Nope. That one's not podcast eligible. What a bitter human being. The way that she, just so mockingly, like, are you crying? You loser? Like, I, I wish he had I just slapped her on air. Are you kidding me? This man is heartbroken. <laughs> he looks like his soul has been ripped out of his body. And you are going to taunt this man, this grown-ass, beautiful soul. This is my man more than anybody will ever be my man. And yes, no matter what, I am about my teams. Which you shouldn't have to ask because we're all Lions fans. I, I don't... Really, we should be excluded from this question forever but yes this is my man's and these are i will stand by my team till death and i have shed many tears and i'm sure i will in the future i feel so bad for this man's <laughs> he's so hurt uh, i feel so bad for him you know just just go back and put on uh you know put on the recording of the super bowl make yourself feel better uh 
this is my man's though. I mean, this is how Lions fans feel all the damn time. We still support this damn team, even when they give us headaches and heartache, uh, just like the Eagles did this past week, looking god awful. Worst start ever. Took themselves out of the game in the first seven minutes of that football game in Dallas and had no shot of getting back into it at that point. All the momentum on Dallas' side. Uh, yeah, I feel for this man. Great hat. Love the flapping eagle. Um, but yeah, this is my man's. Yeah, they lost the game 37 to 10, and I know I felt every single emotion that this man has felt for his Eagles, for my Lions. The next one we have is a complete 180 of that, or 360, as Dylan would say. This is from Padres Nation on Twitter. So it's a San Diego-based Twitter account with about 1,300 followers. On the opposite end of having too much loyalty for your team, he says that the Chargers have hurt him too much over the last 20 years, and now that they're officially moved out of San Diego and gone to L.A., that was finally the push that he needed to be able to stop supporting them and become a free agent fan, basically, where he can plant his flag in a new team. So, if the Lions or whatever team has caused you the most pain throughout your life were to pack up and move, could you throw out all those years of fandom and pick up somebody new? Or would it just be too much and you'd be you'd be in it too deep? So I want this to be my man's. Like I grew up wanting Jennifer Aniston to be my woman. I want it so bad. But I know that deep down in my soul, it wouldn't work this way. And that's why, I think I did this on podcast. I think we discussed this. I want it, all I want in the world is for the NFL to disband the Lions franchise. Like, you are no longer a franchise. And then in a, like, five years, a decade, we just get a new franchise. Like, they don't go anywhere else. Because it's in your soul, your blood. You don't get rid of it when your team moves. If the Lions moved to freaking Rhode Island, I'm still, they're still the Lions. It's still the same franchise. It's still the same team. It's just in a different place. Like, when, when the Pistons moved downtown, or when they moved from downtown to Auburn Hills, we didn't stop cheering for the Pistons because they, they still moved zip codes. Detroit, though. It doesn't matter. It, doesn't. it matters. Zip codes. Baltimore Colts left Baltimore with Indianapolis. It is. <laughs> like, that's different. It is your team. So what if they threw a different skin on? They're the same franchise. You cannot give that up. As much as I would want to, you can't do it. It's the same franchise. And if they, it, Cleveland is the perfect parallel. Cleveland moved to Baltimore, and then they got a team all those years later. If you are an OG Cleveland fan, you are now a Ravens fan. That does, that's, that's your franchise. The Browns are not. The Ravens are your franchise. And if you are not on that, then you don't have it in your soul. You are not a fan where it counts. You're a casual fan. I think you can get so mad at the ownership that unfortunately you have to let it go. And with San Diego especially, where they've lost team after team throughout their history of owning of having sports teams. The Clippers to Los Angeles, now the Chargers to Los Angeles. And while it doesn't feel like it's that big of a difference because it's only two hours up north from where you currently reside... Uh, you were already angry at this team and the Spanos family for many years of wasting phenomenally talented players with just dumb ownership decisions, dumb head coaching decisions, and just horrible luck on top of it all. And where you had a 
on paper one of the best teams in football and just not being able to get it done year in and year out. And actually, with this particular fan, the move to L.A. is not even what killed him. It was this last boneheaded game against the Tennessee Titans, another bad boneheaded team that really did him in, where he's just sick and tired of watching asinine plays again and again in a Charger uniform that doesn't even represent his city of San Diego anymore. He represents Los Angeles, and he is just enough is enough. So while the last guy with the Eagles was my man's for sticking with his team, yeah, I'm going to go two-faced on this one, Harvey Dent, y'all. This man who's given up on his team is my man's as well. Absolutely not, especially the way the Chargers have sucked. The Chargers have built teams well. They've just been the unluckiest team in NFL history. And also like, the dumbest at times. Year, Every single year, they have just insane, crippling, debilitating injuries to their best Not players. every single year. Plenty of years no, they did every it to sing- themselves. No. Plenty and of years the they did it to themselves. Six years, That's fine. The these po- these Charger fans have been fans for a hell of a lot longer than the last six years. They were fans Look throughout Lions, all those Adanian Tomlinson fan. teams that didn't you're do a damn me, thing when they should have. You're telling me win it's worse 14 than games in the regular season and can't win a playoff game with Marty freaking Schottenheimer as your head coach. There are just boneheaded plays Fired and decisions not, again not and again. Not being a Lions fan. You can't bail. You are a casual fan. And you can find your casual bandwagon with You Dylan. can go down to San Diego and nah, fight you, them all then. Go ahead. Bandwagon Bob. It's fine. Now nah, you can... It's... It's my man's because they left the city. It would be really tough for me to leave the Lions if they left Detroit. But if Detroit got another team and the Lions became like the Los Angeles Lions and they just put another team over there and we got the Detroit Sharks or something like that. There you go. Uh, I think the Sharks would be the team I would have to embrace because that's when we get down to it. That's my tie to the Lions is that they're representing the city that I have ties to as it relates to just the NFL landscape. Yep. And if we didn't if we didn't have a team much like San Diego doesn't now, I'd probably still root for the Lions because they're they're the team that I didn't know. But if we adopted a new team, that's the team that you're seeing all around you. They have the jerseys at your local Champ Sports, Foot Locker, Rally House, wherever you guys want to go. They're the ones that are going to be on TV every Sunday. They're the ones that are going to be talked about at the water cooler, on the radio, just kind of wherever you consume your media. That's the team that's going to be now front and center for you. Uh, San Diego, it's a little bit tricky because they don't have that replacement yet. But if if the Lions got a replacement team, and like I said, they got shipped off, that new Detroit team would probably vault to be my my A1 squad. Um, and I'd just be really excited for a, a new franchise here. Uh, I don't th- I don't think that's anything I'd be able to pass up and turn my nose up at them to go to go back to the Los Angeles Lions or the San Y'all Diego Lions now. Bitch made. I ain't root for a team that you never see. The next one that we have is from Hey, it's Carolyn on Twitter who has seventy seven thousand Twitter followers, but I'm pretty sure they're all bots. Um, <laughs> is it playing O Canada at the Seahawks game is liberalism at its finest? Seattle is in the United States and therefore should not have played the Canadian national God. anthem and flown Canadian flags. So I am super not ready to let this last topic go I yet. What not, happens if you move across know. the country? No, no, let it go. You no, pick no, no. This, is, that, uh, no, you this just, is whose man no, is this? This is I'm not. So nope, mad. nope, nope. Let it go. We you guys have this. You want to have this? You want to have no, this conversation? That's sometime? way different. Because I still, I'm still always going to have my Detroit ties. But if the Lions lose their, they Detroit still ties, always have their Detroit ties, no, having been the franchise since your birth. Doesn't matter. No, because if they, they move, they're probably what changing owners too. There's nobody there. 
y'all are bitch made. Regarding You're this latest who's man's, this is my woman. Um, what? It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's absolutely yeah. the stupidest what? thing I've ever seen. Oh, no, so she's not Why your woman. Playing... No, she is. How? What do you mean? No, she... it's stupid How? what Seattle does. What? It's just. Oh, my it, goodness. It is nothing. Wow. It's so rich. I have a question. Wow. When uh, you ever think. Uh, you think when uh, Calgary plays Edmonton, they play. U.S. national anthem. That's not why the Seahawks. Think that do would it, ever cross their mind? That, you're so trash. It's not trash. It's, it's so. This so is wild. a. This is just so stupid. It's a, There is legitimately no reason to there play. Is a except reason. for the fact are, are that they have season ticket holders who come down across the border, not very far away, oh, and they I'm do sorry? this one you game think, a year you, for you them. You think we don't have Mexican season ticket holders in Detroit? The roof for the Lions. No. That that come I up from Mexico I, I mean, every Sunday. That one trip quickly up from Mexico to Detroit. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Talking, this is listen, and I'm not talking I am about all fandom. About the team wants to appreciate their fans and, and now Paul appreciating other cultures. And it's great that America is this great big melting pot. But guess what? Still, America, you're still playing in. God, you league. so voted for Trump. Right. right, this this Russian bot of a woman is absolutely not my woman's, and I know I went out of turn, but this is this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. To They're get doing this it to honor the fans. A one neighbor that we are friends with for centuries now have had no problems with whatsoever. Love to go to travel to. Love to have them come to travel to us. Are basically brother well, t- and sister me, me here in North America of our continent. It's insane to be able to get to get upset about this and call it some bullshit like liberalism when they are paying homage to their fans who who travel down all the time for these games because it's not a far trip from Vancouver in that area to go to Seattle to go to a Seahawks game because they don't have an NFL team and they only have the CFL up there. And to pay homage to them once a year by playing their national anthem that literally hards nobody. This is you not understanding why we play the anthem before games. Not understanding the purpose of the Yeah, I know why. Because they signed a contract with the U.S. military. Truth. I'm going to piss off The next one that we have. I mean, that's what happened. The next one we have is from. Ooh, this is just going to make Paul even matter. The greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Talking about you. the second greatest player of basketball of all time, Stephen Curry. <laughs> oh, he did have to say that Stephen Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet, and he rolled with his original five. Um, they asked him, you know, if you had an all-time starting five, who could you have? Said himself, Magic, Hakeem. Um, I believe he added James Worthy yep. there, who he had James Worthy with. at the four. Uh, and Scottie and Pippen who, at the three. Was it Carm or was it Scottie Pippen? Yeah, Scottie Pippen said, like, at the three. Or some dumb shit. Okay, cool. And Scottie Pippen. Um, and he basically said Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet. Whose man's this? So this is my man's, but not on a verbatim level. Because obviously we know Steph Curry's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not arguable. But what Michael Jordan is doing is twofold. He is first not getting fined. sure <laughs> that people don't forget right? his era, period. And this I, I know the stupid fine thing. That's not that's not why he said what he said. That's stupid. What Magic said. It's absolutely not why. It's absolutely right. Magic's this, wild. This Magic, says, Magic says a lot of God, things. God, Magic. Uh, Fine. He is making sure that people don't forget his era. He wants to make sure, because it is, as Matt says all the time, recency bias, right? He is holding on to, hey, I played with all these great players too. And he's also trying to hold up 
by proxy his own legacy from the era that he played and so that's part of it and i can respect him for that but the other thing that it goes a lot into and that that you you see all the time and i am guilty of it myself is railing against the narrative viciously so steph curry while he is a first ballot hall of fame is also extremely overrated as a basketball player those things are not mutually exclusive you can be both and he is extremely overrated as a basketball player and michael jordan knows that but you can't just come out and say in today's world it's not going to get any credence it's not going to get any notice it's not going to change anybody's mind you can't say uh, eh, steph curry yeah he's a first ballot hall of famer but he's not a perfect basketball player no one will give two shits if you said that but if you come out and you say something crazy like he's not a hall of famer yet he's still got a long way to go then people start to pay a he didn't say he had a long way to go he just said he's not a hall of famer yet which is true it's kind of like when me and dylan (laughs) say michael jordan's trash it's only true in the literal sense we don't literally he's not actually in the hall of fame yet we don't literally mean that michael jordan's a trash basketball player who wouldn't have made it in the league today that's not what we mean but we're pointing out the fact that he is vastly overrated and is nowhere near the greatest basketball player of all time. It is just railing against the narrative and going way in the other direction. And I respect that. So in that regard, he is my man. He's my man. He didn't say anything wrong. Steph Curry's not a Hall of Famer yet. Plain and simple. Can't be. He's still playing. So that's just never going to happen. You're never going to have a Hall of Famer <laughs> that's still playing. So he didn't say anything wrong. And he stuck with his. You're going to take magic off to put Steph on? I'm certainly not. Uh, so, and I don't That's think not the same thing. <laughs> he asked about his starting you can be, five. You can be all, you can be a hall of famer and not on the five Michael Jordan, best which is also ever. very, very true. And he asked about who his starting five would be. Obviously he's on his own starting five. So who are the other four guys stuck with his four guys that he said a couple years ago? Uh, he didn't say anything that was wrong in my mind. I think it's hilarious that people wanted to get into an uproar over it. Uh, and the Steph stands are going to come out and attack. Um, and have fun with that, but <laughs> I mean, he didn't say anything wrong. Steph's a phenomenal player and is absolutely going into the Hall of Fame when his career is done. Um, and it's nowhere near done at this point as long as his ankles continue to hold up. And one day he might make MJ's starting five. Nah, nah not that old ass <laughs> stubborn man. No, I mean, it's not my man. It's ridiculous to say that Steph hasn't done enough to, to be in the Hall of Fame on first ballot. Like I said, the only way that's true is in the literal sense that he's still playing, so he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He does not have, I don't know if NBA players get busted, but whatever they get, he doesn't have one yet because he's still currently playing, and his dad works for your team, or he works for the TV station that covers your team, which is another weird reason to say it. The next one that we have is from another person that didn't make uh, Michael Jordan's starting five, but he is a basketball Hall of Famer. Mr. Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA said that Zion Williamson cannot stay at 285 pounds excuse me, and play in the NBA for a long time, that he has to lose weight. Charles Barkley was as articulate as I've ever seen him. And he said it very well and very accurately. He's absolutely my man. I think everybody's been my man tonight. Wild. Um, but, I mean, you guys know I said this before he was ever drafted. I think it's absurd that he went number one overall. It's just mind-boggling to me he is legitimately like second or third heaviest player in the nba as a 19 year old midget you can't have an nba career like that like it's not going to happen this knee injury is the least surprising thing of all time especially the way he plays the game with the force and explosion that he plays the game you 
can't do it at all. You just absolutely cannot happen. I don't think he's going to have a great NBA career regardless, but if he has a chance, he needs to drop 45 pounds. Everything that Charles Barkley says is my man's. I love this dude and have for <laughs> a very long time. He is one of the funniest athletes of all time. Uh, and he knows what he's speaking of because, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was called the round mound of rebound. He had plenty of times where he was not in the best of shape and would have to get into better shape throughout the year to finish off the season. And, you know, his MVP year is one of them. Uh, he knows that you have to be in better shape. You know, Zion losing 20 pounds would do him wonders going forward with his career. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Charles Barkley, you are my mans and you always will be. What Charles Barkley said is true, so he's my man in that sense, but it's also not like I don't think anybody expected um, that not to be the plan for Zion to come in, get with NBA trainer, uh, dietitian, all that, and slim down for his game. So what Barkley said is correct. I mean, it was taking him so long. He had a fucking one summer. Um, But, I mean, throughout the course of his NBA career, just like you've seen it with other guys, Barkley himself included, um, you know, he's a guy that slimmed down coming, what, 300 pounds out of college, I think he said he was at Auburn. So I think that's kind of been the plan for the Pelicans, Zion, and everybody on uh, Zion's team. The last one that we have is Mr. Steven Jackson. Um, He does a lot of stuff on the former NBA player for the Pacers, the Bobcats, does a lot of stuff with the jump on ESPN. uh, one of the better, I think, former player analysts, commentators. He doesn't do a whole lot of analyzing. It's more just like color commentary on the culture of the NBA, if you will, uh, if you will. And I think he does a really good job at it. Uh, but he said a mass text has been sent around the NBA saying, "Don't f- with Carmelo Anthony." Is absolutely not my man's. Is utterly fucking ridiculous and disrespectful to one of the greatest. NBA players ever is bullshit into blacklist of man who did literally nothing wrong no scandals no beating up his wife no shooting anybody the only thing that he is guilty of is not playing defense this is absolutely my man this is a man whose game has passed him by he cannot shoot a three he cannot play defense and in today's day and age if you can't do either one of those there's not much use a team has for you anymore uh, he deserved better than he got, and I will admit that. But I understand why teams don't want to mess with Carmelo. He doesn't bring much to the table anymore. So, yeah, not my man's. He's not a guy who's going to come off and play all of, you know, eight minutes a game like some of the guys that people want to say, well, this guy's on a team. Yeah, that guy's on a team for a short amount of time per game. Carmelo never wants to do that. He's never wanted to do that. He refused to come off the bench for other teams in the past. Carmelo literally came out and said he would do whatever was asked of him. I understand he says that. You think he's going to stand by that? Because I sure as hell don't. I do. The man wants to play basketball. Respect the legacy. Freaking Yeah, the Lakers respected a legacy too and gave Kobe $25 million per year for his last two years. How'd that work out for the Lakers? I got him, LeBron. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The perpetrators of this mass text message uh, are not my men, if you will, only because even if you didn't want to sign Carmelo, that's fine, that's whatever. There's no reason to send this text message. <laughs> it's not like he's in, you know, threatening to get signed by anybody. Um, and this is r- literally just, hey, 
fuck him just to fuck him. And there's no other reason for it, as Paul mentioned. It's not like this is a guy who's gone out and just bad-mouthed the rest of the league or it was something that would put a team... Um, you know, it's not it's not even like a uh, Kaepernick situation where people might stop watching if this guy oh, was what? on a team or something like that. Kaepernick. Kaepernick, whatever his name is. That's Hold not on. a... You fuck up way worse names, so we're just going to... Yeah, going. I was going to say, I but know you ain't starting. It's not a situation starting. like that. <laughs> it's not a situation like that in the NFL where people might stop watching if a guy uh, gets signed or he's on a team or whatever. This might actually draw more eyeballs to the league because Carmelo does have uh, casual fans who might tune into an NBA game if they knew Carmelo was going to be on that team. So there's no reason for these text messages. Even if they're going around, he didn't have any threat of getting signed. That will end our segment for today. What we learned is that Paul is an elitist who hates everything about the country of Canada. We're sorry over there. And that uh, he doesn't like the city of San Diego either. Don't show your face in San Diego. I show my face in California. All right, to the picks. Now that we're done blasphemizing the great United States of America with O Canada garbage, we can get into what's important in our country. And that is our football slate in the picks, the picks that we do every week. And we don't have a national anthem before we do our picks. Maybe we should. It certainly wouldn't be Hell O no. Canada. But we're going to get right into It'd it. Be, uh, the Kazakhstan. We have a fantastic <laughs> slate of college games this week. It's everything Disagree. that the NFL slate is not. Dylan's just mad because we're ignoring the Dakotas. But I don't care. Where game I'll day watch is. the game, but I'm not. Billings, South Dakota State. Not happening. Don't care. They're only there because Fox sucks. We are going to start with where game day would have been had a colossal upset not happened last week. 13th ranked Wisconsin travels to the shoe to take on Ohio State, who is ranked number three, expected to roll their way to a playoff spot. Ohio State, 14 and a half points. Key number on this game. I said last week in, uh, in our other picks after Ohio State covered like 28 or something that I wasn't going to pick against them. So until they make me pick pick against them, I'm not going to do that. And Illinois could have exposed some things, even though Wisconsin should have put the game away. But give me the Buckeyes here. Lay the points. I'm taking taking all that Ohio State stock. Yes, I am actually here. Oh, surprise. Thanks, Paul, for not even stating that I came around. But – Unlike uh, my absence for the last for the first three segments or so, uh, Ohio State is not going to be missing this game. They'll probably be the first Big Ten team since 2013 Michigan State to win every single Big Ten game that they play by at least 10 points. Uh, I'll take Ohio State. Uh, to me, it comes down to do I believe Ohio State really is one of the best teams in the country? Because if I don't, then I believe Wisconsin's going to cover this. I do believe Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. I do think the Buckeyes are going to cover this spread. Uh, I just think they have weapons that Wisconsin has not seen yet. And Wisconsin really blowing it last week. I don't care they were looking ahead. But really blowing it against Illinois uh, bothers me to no end. So give me the Buckeyes. So this probably going to cost me a game. But I got to pick Wisconsin here. 14 and a half points is a lot. And Ohio State has a history of blitzing Wisconsin when it matters. But... I just can't. I feel better about this game for Wisconsin after what happened to Illinois, which is wild. I know it's wild. But 14.5 points is a lot. 
I could easily see Ohio State winning by 14, but I'm on Wisconsin for this. I think, especially in a game, the possessions are going to be at a premium. Wisconsin is a very good team, and everyone before last week was all on the Wisconsin train that that they're taking the next step. It's I got to go with Wisconsin here, and I do apologize to Dylan for not introducing him properly as he tried to derail me with the Dakotas. Kind of did it to himself a little bit. I am surprised game day is not at this game. Especially as much as ESPN worships at the SEC altar. But Auburn has been a bit disappointing, yet somehow is the ninth ring team in the country. And they are traveling to the Purple Death Valley, second ranked LSU, all the way up to number two. Joe Burrow taking the nation by storm, 11 point favorites at home over the Tigers. Well, yeah, 11 points. Jeez, that's. You would think that's too much, and I think uh, I think Bo Nix could take advantage of the LSU secondary, but I think LSU can take way more advantage of what the Tigers bring to the table. It's not necessarily a night game, but that's not going to make it any less hype over there in Death Valley. Again, give me the favor in this game. Go LSU Tigers, and not the Auburn ones. Say go Tigers, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> Uh, everything, everything is just marching on down the road for three weeks from now when LSU visits Tuscaloosa. Uh, LSU, however, is not going to make the same mistake that Wisconsin did and look too far forward. LSU's defense has been kind of trash, but against an inexperienced Bo Nix, I think that they'll be able to be uh, turnover uh, happy in this game. So I will take the Bayou Bengals. Auburn showed me a lot in not showing me a lot against Florida. LSU is a better team than Florida all over the board. And, well, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I can't see a reason for picking Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers. Give me the Bayou Bengals. So Don, who I forgot existed until extremely recently, (laughs) also picked Ohio State. So I'm the lone dissenter there. And like... All five of us, which our track record's gotten better lately when we're completely unanimous, but still not great. We are all on those that buy you train. Uh, LSU is leaps and bounds better than everybody in the SEC outside of Alabama, period. Uh, Them finally having a quarterback really is the difference. Uh, The school that's churned out every god dang NFL receiver in the world, it feels like, finally has a quarterback that can throw to all that skill position talent. And they've always had the talent, and they're just rolling. And I'm going to be honest, I think LSU's better than Alabama, and I think they're going to absolutely cruise in this game. And next, uh, North Dakota State <laughs> travels to South Dakota State uh, in billing well, South Dakota. College football the team game of the that week. decided to take yeah. last week off, they're hosting what at the beginning of the season looked like it would be a pivotal. Oh, you mean Penn State? Big Ten East game. <laughs> but this probably isn't going to factor into the Big Ten East race very much. Michigan State's at home hosting the Penn State Nittany Lions on their home turf. They're a six-and-a-half-point dog. Can they cover my Spartan brethren? No. I'm going to be at this game. It's not, a, it's not a super exciting matchup, but it'll be uh, 
fun to just go down, walk around the campus a little bit before the 3.30 kickoff, which is the best kickoff. Um, but I'm hoping to get a little bit of reverse jinx in this action uh, by saying that this is the game. This is the spread that I would bet my life savings on Penn State covers. So naturally that means Michigan State will win, but I'm going to put my, my betting money here on Penn State. Uh, I really just want to move on to the next guy. I don't care who it is. And while James Franklin is the literal devil and he is not a coach of any substance, if at all you had any doubts, that last game proved it. Regardless of game flow, you're up 21 to nothing and you still have to have the opponent drop a touchdown in order to win. Screw you, James Franklin. But Mark, screw you more. I will take PSU. When you said move on to the next guy, I thought you meant in the picks. Oh, I, <laughs> I knew like, exactly. Not I knew exactly works. what he meant. Uh, I know we play Penn State well, tough. There it is. <laughs> in the past, won some, pulled some. We've beaten I know. Them twice. I just meant throughout, just in general. <laughs> like we've always had good games with Penn State, even when Penn State land grand on really, the really good teams. Yeah, it's almost like um, a rivalry. <laughs> but God, this team just doesn't give me any hope to make me think that they're going to hang with Penn State. Uh, I hope they, they don't make a bowl game. <laughs> they jumped out 21 nothing on Michigan. I can see them doing the same to the Spartans, and I don't see the Spartans coming back from that the way Michigan was able to at least make it a game and get with inside the spread. Uh, I don't see any problem with Penn State winning this game by more than a touchdown. So as much as I hate it, I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. Second game in a row. We, are, we were. I, I'm the lone dissenter of three in a row of being completely unanimous, but... Here, I got to agree with you guys. I just, I mean, Penn State, whether they deserve to or not, did beat Michigan by seven last week. And I just, I, what has Michigan State showed anybody that they can hang in this game? It's not like your home environment, especially the way the season's gone, is going to be insanity uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Penn State can throw the ball downfield. You are vulnerable to it. Penn State's defense is actually really good. Last I checked, your offense against good defenses, no bueno. I mean, I this looks like a not fun game for MSU. This looks like a 27-13 game all day. I, I'm just not feeling it. From MSU, we go to OSU, who I know Dylan is disappointed in from last week. I'm not sure if he's going to pick them again after they cost <laughs> him a couple dollars. But uh, Oklahoma State... I told you that's why they picked this game. ...is now a, a very big dog on the road to Iowa State. And Oklahoma State is a team that's flirt with being, flirted with being ranked. Iowa State is only the 23rd-ranked team in the country at home. Uh, they haven't looked overly impressive this year. This game opened. They were a seven-point favorite. It's all the way to 10.5 now. Well, Iowa State's favored by... Oklahoma State was in position last week um, to even cover against Baylor because they were favored. And then just absolutely everything that could go wrong on a football field did for them. With that being said, I don't think Iowa State's any good. I look for Oklahoma State to bounce back. It looks like it's on the road until you guys tell me it's a neutral site game for whatever weird reason. But uh, I, I am going to pick Oklahoma State Are you in messing this game with me mainly. or is it a neutral site game? I hate this. No, I don't know. It's, it's not. not. It's oh, not. every. It seems like every time it gets mentioned, right. it's like, aha, on second thought. <laughs> right. But Oklahoma State, because Ohio or Iowa State, excuse me, isn't very good, and 10 points is too much for me. 10 and a half. Well, I took... Then 11 points is too much more. 
Well, I looked on Fox Bet, and unfortunately, just like Paul, Fox Bet is also super weak and not giving me a spread for North Dakota State, South Dakota State. They have the over-under, however, at 46-and-a-half, and because that's the game I'm actually picking for this portion, I'll take the L. I'll say over 46-and-a-half and take the Jackrabbits for an outright win in in, uh, in Billings, South Dakota. Uh, Oklahoma State loves turning the ball over, and when they don't turn the ball over, they're actually a pretty decent football team. Um, I don't think Iowa State is going to be that great at causing turnovers, and if Oklahoma State doesn't shoot themselves in the foot too many times in this game. I don't see why the Cowboys can't cover this, what I think is a ridiculous spread. Uh, so I will roll with the Cowboys. As much as Dylan wants to take the L, he forgot that he already sent me that he was picking OK State for this <laughs> game, which is cool because, again... No, no. no that's not true. That's not again, true at all. In fact, that, that OK, receipts. actually, if you fuse them together, that's oh, an SD. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> College game day. Um, anyways. College game day is going going there. Come on now. Uh, Cow pokes poke. I mean, this spread is insane to me. Maybe Vegas and the people betting apparently know something we don't. But this isn't really going to put the stress on if we pick – I'll pick the same teams, how bad it goes. One pick out of the 20 picks we've made so far has been dissenting. This is – Kind of crazy. This is unventured territory hey, for us. Hey, you, you know what else is crazy? South Dakota State's only loss is to undefeated Minnesota. Just a little fun fact for you going I into hope you the know weekend. North Dakota State is going to ravage their butthole like a jackrabbit on crack. I mean, they're the bison and they're facing the jackrabbits, and but jackrabbits okay. Jackrabbits like to have a lot of sex. Was the Show, showing them as much attention as Vegas? I see how it is. I know what team is what. The, Jesus Christ. Anyways, moving on to games people might actually care about. I care. (laughs) (laughs) One of the 50 games that game day should have been at instead of in the Dakotas, whatever they are doing there with FCF Central. Notre Dame is traveling to Ann Arbor. Michigan was a four-point favorite to open this game, which was... Surprising in its own right. And not so surprising is that they are now only a one-point favorite. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how Michigan's favored at all in this game. I do think Notre Dame's a better team, maybe just because it's a home night game. But there's to me, there's a lot of difference between the two teams, and I don't think Michigan's better. I'm definitely going to take Notre, game, Notre Dame in this game. Uh, I am going to have Paul audibly gasp here and say that I will take Michigan. I think they're going to be opening a can on a Notre Dame team. I actually think is quite good, but this is a bad spot for him. Program is in all kinds of dire straits from the media, at least. Uh, And I think that Josh Gaddis, Jim Harbaugh are going to run up the score by a ton. I'll take Michigan with the points. I'll even say they'll win by at least. So my gasp is not. You taking Michigan, it is the over the top taking Michigan, which terrifies me because the last time this happened was when we were in lockstep on Ohio State last year. That's true. That's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe while I'm wearing my alternate Jeff Samarjan Notre Dame jersey right now, that's my plan. Hey. Oh, <laughs> Thank you.
Best fight song in the world. There's my pick. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Like, do you actually believe that? Like, do, somewhere in your mind, you actually believe that's a good fight song? It's the best fight song in the oh, world. Oh, I think Texas is, is I, the best. I, that's no, fine. That's so your opinion. Better. And that's your both. opinion. This is the best fight song in the world. Both Michigan and MSU have fight songs that are worlds, universes. I, don't, I think you're missing the melodic tones of this best fight song in the world. To be fair, I like the Celtic chant better than the actual fight song. Because the fight song's trash. Well, no, because the Celtic chant's cool. cool. Shit, and the fight song's trash. <laughs> Oh, that was loud. Oh, I apologize to anyone who's not listening with headphones. Ow. Now that we've woken up the neighbors. Uh, I've really waffled on this game. when the sp- I felt a lot better when it was minus four. And I was like, I'll pick Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a real close game. I'll feel good ah. about them losing by three. But now Michigan's f- only favored by one. It puts me in a real tough spot. Oh, damn changes things a lot. I think, as I've maintained all year, that Michigan is turning the corner. And I think the second half, especially offensively, which is what I've said all season long, I think the second half against Penn State was similar to Penn State's second half against Minnesota in 2016. I think this is where they really start to turn the tide. I am not quite ready, like Dylan, to say they're going to win by double digits. But I think this really is the start of something good for Michigan. And I have more hope in this team coming out of a loss than I have in many, many years. I'm, I'm going to take Michigan. Unsurprisingly, Don, Don's going to take Michigan as well. But I'm probably the Oh, least hey. Confident. Don also took SDSU. There you go, Don. Good job. There we go. That's, Jack Rabbit. That's not true. Let's Don go. actually doesn't know they're playing a game in Dakota this week. Hmm. <laughs> All right, fine. We're going to move on to the junior varsity. Uh, We have the New York Giants, up-and-comers, building their team right under David Gettleman. They're traveling to the den of despair. The tankers themselves, the Detroit Lions, and somehow, despite everything, the Lions are favored by a touchdown at home against the Giants. Please tell me why. I don't know. I wanted to pick the Lions, but, man, not not by a touchdown. If they win by more than a touchdown, I'll be, I'll be relieved that they just didn't lose the game. But just having Saquon Barkley on the other side running all over our defense should be enough to keep the game within seven points. Well, uh, as everybody obviously knows, former Detroit Lion running back Zach Zenner was an SDSU Jackrabbit back in the day, so I will be taking Honolulu Blue and the Lions. I don't see how this team is blowing anybody out. This is the kind of game that the Lions will let the Giants hang around when they should beat this team up and down the field. Uh, They are a better team than the Giants, and yet somehow I think the Giants cover the spread. Detroit, for all intents and purposes, should beat them by 25. But Detroit decided they're taking, and I don't know if you guys have checked the team reaction today. Not exactly supportive. I think we've been absolutely (laughs) gutted. I expect to come out flat, which is a recipe for disaster because what this team has done all year is actually come out hot and then fade in the second half. So if we come out flat, 
might even be in danger of losing this game. I don't think they will. I think they will win, but I do think the Giants cover. I certainly do not feel confident about picking the Lions to cover, regardless of what they should do. But there is a lot of uncertainty that Bob Quinn's injected into this team for legitimately no reason at all, and we talked enough about that. So moving on to games that might actually matter in the scope of the NFL, uh, Philadelphia is traveling to Buffalo, and Philadelphia is kind of at a crossroads here. And they're traveling to take on a pretty solid Buffalo team, and they're a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Philly Buffalo. Oh, yeah, I don't see. So Buffalo has earned the right to me to be favored in this game, and Philadelphia hmm. looks like an absolute mess. They made my uh, my man Monty, who we talked about earlier, cry, and you just don't do that to a good-hearted man like Monty. The, the <laughs> Buffalo Bills, their players are going to be as rowdy as their fans come Sunday. So give me the Bills. Uh Carson Wentz is an NDSU Bison uh, alumnus, so there's no chance I can take Philadelphia. And besides, Buffalo, the city, and I are connected, and we will be marching on all the way to an AFC East title. So basically, Let's neither go one Buffalo. of you are ever allowed to quote or watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Lending that... itself to terrible picks. <laughs> uh the Eagles came off an embarrassing oh, loss where they shot themselves in the foot multiple times to start the game. Um, I'm willing to bet that uh, Doug Peterson is going to light a fire under their ass. They're going to go into an overrated Buffaloes team and take care of the Bills and cover this spread, winning by three or more. This game is so hard to pick, and I hate that Philly's favored. This is one where I think Vegas knows. Philly no. should be the better team, but Philly has looked terrible. Disagree. And they are closing a three-game road stretch that they have gotten embarrassed on. They went up to the Vikings, who you guys know I think are a very good team, and they got their asses ran. And then, in a huge divisional game, and I don't know if you guys remember, but I picked Philly to win this division, they went to Dallas, and they literally just laid down and let a garbage quarterback look like a Hall of Fame quarterback as he tore their ass to shreds. It can't happen three weeks in a row. It can't. It is too good a team. It is too good a coaching staff. Buffalo has not looked good. They haven't played anybody. They have a. They have a. What really, are you talking about? They held they the Patriots a, to sixteen the, points. The, the, the Patriots they played held all season. Patriots to thirteen points. The best game that Buffalo played all season, they lost. Which is fine. It happens. This is football. By six points because our quarterback fine. didn't I know he play got hurt, two quarters. After he threw three picks. <laughs> I am not like going well. to point to a loss against the Pats as mm. a reason that they're going to win this mm. game. The Pats are winning by 30 every game. The Pats are playing Come the Jets on every now. game. Relax. <sighs> Buffalo oh beat freaking Tennessee 14-7. to Buffalo was in a dogfight. With Miami, listen. Yeah, it's coming. I'm, I love. No, it's not coming. It's coming. And for those, oh, of you, they get they get Buffalo at home. This is baby. gonna get so hot coming down the stretch. This cast is gonna be hell. And they fun. get Cincinnati. I am already boy. deciding how I'm gonna spend Ooh, your boy. money. Oh boy. It's a long time to pick I one game. I spent derailed ten times, but we're all right. They're, winning ugly is fine. That's all Buffalo does is win ugly. And I like Buffalo a lot. I like a ton of the players on their You're team. damn but right. this is Philly's game. Vegas knows. This one's Philly's oh. game. And Don agrees with me. And 
Don picked Detroit, and I know that I didn't say that because I just assumed everyone knows Don picks Detroit. To a game with a lot more uncertainty, we have Carolina and the Kyle Allens because apparently Cam Newton got traded to the Bears. Um, hey, no, he <laughs> no, didn't. That didn't actually happen yet, but it's <laughs> been thrown out there. Uh, Carolina's five-and-a-half-point dog on the road in San Francisco. San Francisco looking pretty good. Yeah, I've, Man, I've accepted my that? fate that the Niners are just going to fraud their way to 16 and 0. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, hate until the end. I, I, but, I appreciate but, that. But I respect that, that hustle of theirs to not be good and still win football games. It's something I wish my college team could adopt, and it's something I wish my NFL team could adopt. And I do like Richard Sherman quite a bit, especially when he's matched up against Kyle Allen. Christian McCaffrey, the god, is not going to be enough. Um, For the Panthers, give me San Fran and lay the points. Oh, man. I appreciate Ryan Hayton so much because he knows how right I was about San Francisco. They're in a freaking hurricane. They played – yeah, and also they played their worst game of the year and still shut uh, shut them out. You know, by the way, that's I think the stat was that in their, their last th- in their last three games, that San Francisco defense, very underrated by the way, has given up ten points. Give me San uh, by Ryan apparently at least. Uh, I just, <laughs> give I me just San said Fran. Christian McCaffrey, the god, couldn't do enough. Yeah, I'm not believing in Carolina here. Christian McCaffrey can do everything that he can try to do to carry this team. I don't think it's going to be enough against this defense. Uh, the offense is going to do enough with the ground and pound of their running game, and uh, I think Carolina's in for a little bit of a world of hurt here. Give me the Niners. Won't be enough against. Oh, and Matt's going to hurt. That's right, and Matt's going to hurt even worse. You offered me the third wide Israel. receiver on the Giants with him. He's not in a, any better fucking kidding situation. me. <laughs> I actually like Carolina in this spot. Oh, my God, you're a loser. I actually like Carolina for the upset in this spot. Upset of the week. There we go. Oh, my goodness. N- not even close. So, the 49ers. Fraud alert starts this week. defense has been pretty darn good. But 49ers, like many teams that are unexpectedly doing extremely well to start the season, have not played anybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they beat the Bucks, They beat the Bengals. They beat the Steelers. Without a quarterback, they barely, barely beat ten the points in three quarters in three games. What else do you want? The Steelers without a quarterback, yeah, so good. <laughs> they beat up the hapless Browns. They beat up the Rams, who we have seen have done dick all. And then, congrats, you won nine zero in a tsunami against the Redskins. I'm not saying they're not a good team. I was vehement that they were going to make the playoffs, but this is a dangerous spot for them. In one of very highly rated part of their team, the defensive line that has just ravaged teams. What they haven't done is stop really good running backs. Chubb had success against them. Connor had success against them. Christian McCaffrey is going to have success against the Niners, is going to open up things for Carolina. Kyle Allen has been exactly what Carolina ordered. And I like them to not just cover the five and the half, but to win this game in the upset of the week. And I have a feeling that Don is on board too because he's also got Carolina. Next up, we got John Gruden. We got Oakland traveling to face Houston, who did not look so hot last week, but still six and a half point favorites at home. I mean, that's because Oakland didn't look so hot last week. 
either. On the road, got absolutely pasted by Green Bay. Um, with the great quarterback, they're going up against much of the same here. With the great quarterback in Houston, Deshaun hey, Watson. Um, I'm not. I don't know that I'll have the type of day Aaron Rodgers had with six total touchdowns and a trillion yards. But if he gets four or five touchdowns, it's a game that the Texans should still win by more than a touchdown. So I'm gonna take Houston in the spot. Paul's just being dishonest here because I know for a fact he didn't watch that Indi- that Indianapolis-Houston game because Houston did actually play all right. And Deshaun Watson all this year has been just phenomenal, probably going to get Sunday. comeback player of the year. Uh, I didn't know that it was your turn yet, so shut up. He's probably going to win comeback player of the year, but not in this game. It's going to be a T.O.P. kind of game for Gruden and his team. There's too much pride in that locker room. I will take Oakland in this spot. You know spot. who was terrible Sunday? That number 23. Mm. Who? Carlos Hyde. Oh. I was trying to figure out what the hell Ryan was talking about. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows Carlos Hyde. And I did not either. know his number was 23. <laughs> I didn't even know that he still played uh, football. Both these teams coming off losses... Um, Houston's hurting a little bit more because theirs was two division rival and in a dogfight with that rival for the supremacy of the division. Uh, at home, get some home cooking. Oakland continuing their road woes. Uh, got absolutely destroyed by Green Bay in a game that a lot of us had pegged wrong. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that, but can I see Oakland making enough mistakes to let Houston win by a touchdown? Yeah, I can. And while I want to pick the Raiders... Uh, I will go with the Texans. You guys disappoint me. Don's also on that Texans bandwagon. Oakland has lost to most of the good teams they've played convincingly. Jesus, that was tough. Wow. That's that's karma for earlier. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Dylan wasn't here. He missed that. Uh, And they've beat the bad teams they've played including the Bears. But they did beat one pretty decent team they played, and that's the Colts, who just ravaged the Texans last week. The score, not nearly indicative of how much of an ass-kicking that was. All right, we're going to cap this off. We got Green Bay, the aforementioned team that absolutely blitzed Oakland last week, Uh, and they're traveling to Kansas City. Kansas City opened as a four-point favorite. Then they were like, oh, yeah, Mahomes is not playing. And now Green Bay is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, which, by the way, eight-and-a-half-point swing is massive for any quarterback being out of a game in Vegas. But that's where we are at. Green Bay now favored by four-and-a-half in Kansas City to take on Matt Moore. Yes, sir. And Matt Moore is about as bad as that that shot clock that's on the Staples Center floor right now. I don't know what that's about. But I hate it, and it needs to get off my TV. But I expect Green Bay to run away with this game. Um, the Their offense with – the Chiefs' offense without Patrick Mahomes isn't nearly going to be the same. And the, uh, the Chiefs don't have the type of defense that is – Good against the uh, good against the Packers. Aaron Jones, uh, I think second in the league in rushing touchdowns, or tie to tie for third. That's fine. But Aaron Jones uh, scoring touchdowns left and right. Aaron Rodgers just had a huge week last week, and I don't expect them to you know go away from the game plan 
on Sunday Night Football. They want to put on a show in front of the entire country to make them forget about that that robbery that they got away with last Monday. So I do expect uh, I do expect the Packers to win this game handily. Uh, I to have I have too much moral integrity to say who I'm actually picking in this game, so I am just gonna pass. Okay then. Chiefs have a miserable offense and offense uh, defense, and their offense just got a lot worse by losing the MVP, who threw for 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns last year. Uh, the Packers, meanwhile, their young defense has impressed so far this year. The offense is starting to click a little bit more. The receivers that were dropping balls a couple weeks ago are starting to catch them now from Aaron Rodgers, including their tight end Jimmy Graham, who's finally decided to start playing football again. Uh, I see no reason to think uh, to not think that the Packers can go into Arrowhead at night and just steamroll this Chiefs team with their lack of defense and now, uh, you know, hurt offense without their best player. So give me the Packers. Don is the lone dissenter. It makes me question if he knows Mahomes is out. I feel like not. I'm going to get clarification from him because uh, I don't know how the hell anyone would. It says Mahomes out right on the I goddamn. I know it does, but I feel like Don didn't read it. I, I don't know. I just feel like you can't pick Kansas City in this spot. Green Bay should go down and win by 100, and with Matt Moore playing, they're not even going to need the refs to do it. I hope they. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they get killed somehow in this game, but I, it should be easy money on that one. Speaking of easy money, we're going to talk about last week's picks real quick, summarize what we did. Orion continues to pull away from the pack. Already mm-hmm. in first place, he rattled off an eight and two week, just pulling further and further ahead, spurned yeah, yeah. by a perfect five and zero record in college last week. But Ryan was not the only one. Yours truly also went five and one in college picks last week. You went five, five and one. Five is sorry, five, five and five, oh, five and one, huh? And uh. I was reading Don's. Don had a respectable 4-1 and one in college, so we kind of crushed college last week. We won't mention the others. We don't want to put them on blast. But uh, I was able to make up five games on Dylan this week, which has put yeah. him in last place by four games. Myself and Don tied for third. Matt plummeting to an even 500 record, even though he had an above 500 record last week. Poor guy. Matt Ryan just pulling away from the pack. Ryan, well above 544 and 36, having himself a real good year. And he's at Whoop. Ryan definitely ahead of the pack. Myself no longer in last. And we're glad Dylan joined the picks late so he can get some of that juju back to make up for last week's 2-8 and eight showing. And that's it. Hmm. That's our picks this week. Ryan. Hey, he doesn't have juju anymore. Do the thing. Yo. hey So make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Sports Carnage, on Facebook, the Sports Carnage Podcast. Uh, you can catch Paul recently – Today, well, Tuesday, went live on DSN to talk about the Quandre Diggs trade. So if you want to hear more of what we talked about with the today, just a little bit more in depth, make sure you go check that out. You can also find us on Podbean and iTunes, um, as well as Google Podcasts. So check us out on all those. Rate, subscribe, comment, like, review, share, whatever you guys want to do to help us help you out there and just continue listening. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much to the eight-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove, and three-time Silver Slugger, A. Jay Riley for joining us today on the podcast for the late arriving Dylan Bear, for Ryan Griffin, for Paul Roshan. I am Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you all next week.